Once again, you got Chris Thomas. Scroll Carm. Jamal Thomas. You're listening to the Running Back Sports Show. What is going on? What is going on, everybody? Happy April. Dang, like, right. this, this year's flying by pretty fast. Don't they all? Yeah, they do. Mm. Time is relative. I'm sorry. I'm being real existential and morbid today. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is, yeah. Going, it is flying. <laughs> <laughs> so, we have a pretty good slate here today. We're going to talk about the national championship games, both of them. Uh... Playoff basketball is literally right around the corner, about three to four games left in the regular season. Then we figure out the format for the play in. Uh, The trade that happened when we draft the implications regarding the Philadelphia Eagles for the second year in a row. We'll talk about that as well. WrestleMania was this past weekend, also. And we're going to get into some other stuff. (laughs) And if you want to call to join the discussion, the number is 215 763 and we were just briefly talking about this off air, so let's get down to it. The national titles, uh, do you want to start with the men or the women's first? Let's just start with the ladies. Okay. So, the national title game was Sunday? No, it was. Um, no, yeah, Sunday. Sunday, yeah, because yeah. was men's, yeah. Yeah. Sunday, the U- it was UConn versus South Carolina. The juggernaut that is UConn versus the upstart South Carolina. Upstart no more. <laughs> upstart no more is right. Yeah. So, Dawn Staley was able, to, and Aaliyah Boston, best player in college basketball, was able to bring home the trophy for South Carolina. This is the second time that the Gamecocks were able to bring home the trophy. Yeah, was it two years ago they won it? 2017. 2017. And Dawn was the coach then as well, mm-hmm. right? Okay. This is yep. Asia Wilson. That she was won. the Asia Wilson mm-hmm. squad? Okay. Shout out Asia Wilson, balling for the Aces. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to, I guess, take the lead on this. Because, oh, sure. you know, I mean, listen, you know, last week we were talking about everything. And, you know, my co-host here was saying that UConn was going to probably, you know what I'm saying, be the I'm saying. <laughs> I was just like, nah, Leah Boston, the best player in the country. And he's like, nah, Paige Beckers. I'm like, nah, Leah Boston. So it's it's. You know, I'm just saying Aaliyah showed why she is the best player in the country this year and awarded that award and also Defensive Player of the Year awarded that. And Don Staley was awarded Best Coach of the Year. So they just like are a juggernaut within them, themselves, those two. Um, but just to point out, you know, it was a good game. Um, I think obviously – not. I think it would, it would happen was South Carolina dominated the whole game pretty much mm-hmm. on the defensive end, offensive rebounds, banging the boards. <coughs> Um, Destiny Henderson had a monster game. I think she dropped 28 or 26, something like that. Between 26 and 28. She completely just took over offensively when they needed a bucket. And then she was actually guarding Paige Beckers a lot of the game. And she kind of, yeah, like she shut Paige down. Um, And just shout out to, like, here's the thing about South Carolina. So, obviously, they're kind of. Youngins in the game, if you want to compare it to like a UConn to like a Tennessee type yeah. vibe, you know, UConn has 16 national champion. I mean, 16 national championships. No, I think it's 12. I think it's under Gino, it's 12. But it, no, I think under Gino, it's 12. It's 16 altogether. But, anyways, um, so this is only the second time that South Carolina has won a national championship. So, obviously, you know, they have a long way to go. UConn is like this has been the standard for years and years and years. And everybody who's kind of been anybody has run through UConn. I mean, you go Tarasi, you go Bird, you go Brianna Stewart. Um, yeah. So, Maya Moore. Yeah, Maya, yeah, Maya Moore. You know what I mean? Even Lobo. Even. Um, Stop playing with me. Yeah, Lobo. like, you know what I mean? So, UConn is definitely a dynasty, but. 
what I love about South Carolina is that they went into this like, look, you know, we have unfinished business in this. And they kind of like went past that unfinished business when they got through to the championship. Because if everyone remembers last year, Aaliyah Boston, I mean, like missed the, uh, she a missed pushback. yeah, like a putback too that could have won them the game against Stanford. And then Stanford went on to win the championship. So I know that was kind of hard to see. And, you know, those memes about her crying and stuff because Aaliyah was very emotional when she missed that first shot. I mean, that last shot in that game. So for her to come back and just improve her game so much and lead her team, lead the entire um, you know college women's basketball this year to win it, they really deserved it. I mean, not even just Aaliyah, like I said, Destiny Henderson, who was a senior, to be a senior and to leave it all out there on the floor and ball out like that and really carry your team when UConn was making – did I call her? No, okay. When UConn was making, you know, pushes to come back, you know, Destiny was right there with the timely buckets. And um, and besides that, you know, Brie Beal, who was locked down on everybody she defended from the Louisville girl, um, from Van Lith to um, – um, what is her name? Um, Kristen Williams. She didn't score anything. I think she scored two points that whole game. So, and she's like their their big three was like Paige, um, AZ, and Kristen. And Kristen scored two points in like the fourth, and AZ scored a three in the fourth. So they were all locked down. Um, Victoria Saxton was a monster on the boards. Um, just their whole squad. That's the thing I like about them. They all contribute. And, again, nobody is touching them 3-5. to five. Like, they got the size from 3-5 to five from the starting lineup to the bench. They got size. You know, they hustle. And they're, they're defensively minded, the whole team. And they are, like, next man up. Like, we just want to win. Whatever is best for our team, that's what we're doing. And I really just admire them. And I've been watching them for the last couple of seasons. And Dawn Staley has done an amazing job with those girls in that program. And she's Philly's own, as we know. So it was definitely a big moment for Philly, 100%. you know what I mean? Especially for women's basketball. And even Dawn was saying it, like, when Dawn was talking about it on her interview, she was saying, like, yo, like, put the money behind us. Like, give us the promote, give us the promotions, the marketing. If you, if you actually put money into us, you'll see, you'll get the results. And it's crazy because I think I saw this thing on Twitter. Um, I took a screenshot of it because I was just like, I wanted to just say this because I thought it was a really cool um, – fact about this so pretty much um this national championship game um was the most watched um college women's basketball game in the la- in in the last two decades it was the most highly watched it was 4.85 million viewers up up 18 percent from 2021 up 30 percent from 2019 and they peaked with 5.9 million viewers at one, at one point during the game that's awesome so it's just like, come on, you can't say women's sports, there's no market for it, people don't want to watch it. If you put it on national TV and you have, you know, obviously two competitive teams, people are going to watch it. This was breaking <coughs> records. So it's like, this is their game was on ESPN, it should have been on ABC. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it should have been, yeah. right, it should have been prime time. This is women's college basketball, just like the men's. They prime time, girls should have been prime time. But either way, they broke records in terms of viewership. And... Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised at the outcome because I knew South Carolina was that deep. I knew they had that size, and I knew if you shut down Paige, you kind of shut the rest of them down. And they were just being smothered by South Carolina. I don't think they were prepared for how like deep defensively South Carolina is. And uh, yeah, so I'm very you know excited and happy for them because they deserved it. They've been through the gutter. They lost that heartbreaking loss, and they came back this season and won it all. So congratulations, to South Carolina. That was a great game, and it was, it's was it been a great tournament, honestly. Shout out to the Gamecocks. Yeah. Um, my thoughts are, um, and it's funny because you bring up a point 
towards your end, and it was the point that I, I kind of asked you about last week on the show, where like how much responsibility do women who are not hoopers like yourself or who are not hoop heads like yourself play in the role of providing the support that WNBA? What I mean is in an era where women empowerment, what would you say is at the forefront of a lot of social media, a lot of everything, a lot of women from 30 and under are really into being independent, into supporting other women, into supporting these things, right? Mm-hmm. How come it doesn't feel like that same support is extended to women's sports? Right. Um, so that's my issue where mm-hmm. I don't see, like I said, to me, the moment I talk to you, I'm like, okay, she's a hoop head. She's one of us. It's almost like, and in, in basketball players do it the same way. Like uh, one of my favorite podcasts to watch is uh, Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson, the Knuckleheads podcast. And like when they have women, women guests on, whether it's uh, Tarasi, whether it's Sue, whether it's, you know, Tina Thompson, whether it's Cheryl Swoops, they talk to them as hoopers. They don't mm-hmm. even see them as women. They see them as one of the, right. oh, yeah, you coming off this high pick and roll. Well, you know what it is when you got to defend it. It's the respect that it has amongst people. But I feel like with the problem with men's sports is even if you are a casual male viewer, you give that view. I don't think there is a casual female viewer audience ship when it comes to women's sports. I go what you're saying. Yeah. And I can I see think, that. And I think, like, I would be more likely to randomly turn on a WNBA game and be like, you know what, why not? Then I think the average woman would be. Yeah. And I think that's where the issue is when the first thing that people say is, is like, oh, well, we don't get support for women's sports. Or we don't get support for women's sports. The one first thing I want to say is I watch all sports. So I support it. I know I'm not trying to personalize it, but I think there will be a lot of sports heads who, who watch a bunch of sports who would say that same thing. When something's banging, it's banging. When Ronda Rousey was knocking everybody out, if you were a sports head, you were into it. When Serena was dominating, you were watching. You know what I'm saying? But I feel like a lot of people don't give that same love and respect casually, and that's where I think women's sports doesn't get to see. You saw a national championship. If they did a viewership poll, how many people you think that were watching that game if you broke it down were men or women? If you really had to guess to me. Probably more men were watching than women, for sure. And the crazy thing is, it's like, it's, it's a good point. I think in terms of women's sports, I think the attitude towards women's sports mm-hmm. is just, it's always kind of like a less than attitude or kind of not as good. You know, it's here, but this is better. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And I think men perpetuate it because even on like certain social media things that I see, a lot of men always are like quick to like just minimize and downplay the WNBA and talk about the rim and talk about all these things and they feel this, that, and that. But it's just like you're trying to – put women's basketball into a men's basketball like peg you know what i'm saying like like women's basketball is its own like it's basketball but it's like it's not men's basketball like it it doesn't have to be what men's basketball is to be entertaining or to be good basketball basketball is basketball but it's just like it's different it's different it's men versus men and women it's two different things see what i'm trying to say like ball is ball but it's like don't try to say if it's not exactly like how the men do it then it's not as good it's like no i don't i don't agree with that I think people just have a negative connotation. And, and I think women, and I think women fall victims to it too. Women, I think, are about women empowerment and all this stuff. But when it comes to sports, I think some women just view certain sports as guy sports. Mm-hmm. And that was I, the point I was getting. Yeah, yeah. And I think that because they see certain things as guy sports, like they'll support it, but I don't think they're as like. Fervent yeah, about it like gun ho about it as he would say, you know, women doing soccer, like you know, what I mean something or something else, something exactly. that's more woman dominated historically. Exactly. So I think that's the thing with basketball. I think women today, not I'm not gonna say today. I think in the past, 
and kind of today maybe, women see basketball as something that's more on the manlier side. Also, particularly American women. Yeah. Let's just put that in perspective. Let's yeah. not disrespect the other women around the world because the way women get paid in other countries, the oh, way yeah. their bank accounts set up and paid in other countries. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we so know just, who yeah, put respect on your name. Right. Let's be real. No, for sure. I mean, you already know what it is. Like, Brittany Griner, why was she in Russia? Why was she, she even in Russia? She was playing for, she, played, she got paid a million dollars a season just to play over in Russia. So, of course, she went over to Russia because her WNBA salary is, you know, cut that. So, can you blame her for going to Russia? Because they're paying the money. They're paying the bucks. So, um, I think that's a big issue with our culture and with society is that what is viewed as manly, what is viewed as feminine, and what do I, what do women want to be associated with? Like, I don't want to be associated with basketball because that's a that's a guy sport. Girls who play that, they're they're more manly. You know what I mean? And no one wants to be associated with that. But as basketball is, you know, going, as growing, and you'll see a lot of these girls, not saying you can't be, you know, whatever you want to be playing ball, but a lot of girls aren't even the typical tomboys anymore. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you can't say, like, okay, if you play basketball, you're automatically a tomboy. That's not the case anymore. You see girls who got their eyelashes, their nails, like they're girly or quote-unquote girly. So it's the game is, trans, you know, it's transforming. Like, it's not that, that image anymore. We wanted to get out of the past. Like, listen, what we grew up or what y'all grew up as, what's feminine and masculine, get into today. Watch the game now and see what it's about. Give it a chance. And also, I think your comment about play style is so on brand. And it's also on brand for people who it lets you know who watches basketball, who doesn't. Because, like, you take away dunking and the obvious, like, you know, anatomical athletic advantages males have. The game is pacing space on both sides. Yeah. Girls are pulling up from the logo. Girls' handles are every bit as good. Girls are running high pick and rolls. Girls are using moving, movement, ball, free-flowing. The, the storm, a lot of their offense looks like the Warriors when you see them hitting and clicking. You know what I mean? When Bird, when Sue is on and um and uh and, and Stewie's on it. Who's their guard? Their um, guard um, that um, can um, score um. her behind Jeez. off. I cannot think of her name right now. No, you maybe just forget it. I was about but to you say. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, right here. She's yeah, She's their yeah. third best. Chris, Chris, Crystal something or Crystal. Oh my God, Jewel. So Jewel Lloyd. Oh yeah, yeah, Jewel, Jewel Lloyd. Lloyd uh-huh. is a, but when they're going and, and swinging the ball and they're and they're moving, they look like the Warriors. Right. So like, but that's if you actually want to watch basketball. The Give easy, it a chance. For real. I think a lot of guys, they'd be like, oh, well, you know, these, these girls, this trash. Like, some people insult them and say, I, a, a boy's high school team could be a WNBA team. That's I'm like, true. y'all are literally delusional. Y'all disrespectful at that point. That, but that's what I'm saying. But it's all about that. Like, I feel like when it comes, of course, there's trolls out there. But a lot of times I see people just kind of just minimizing the WNBA because of what they think is the standard of what basketball should be. And let me just say this. I think Candace Parker made a great point about this. She was on Ellen, and she was talking about how Shaq was saying that oh, they need to lower the rim and Candace is like no I think we should keep the rim what it is and she talked about again when the WNBA was formula was formed and when the NBA was formed in the in the terms of years of growth and the different and how long things take to progress and she's like women are progressing she was like we're getting there it's just you know we've only been around for 25 years like we the women the woman the woman game has to progress and grow at its pace you can't expect the women to do everything that quote-unquote the men is and here's the thing this girl, I forget, I, I should know her name because I've been like looking at her clips. She is going to South Carolina next Ashley year. Ashley Watkins. We yeah. talked about it last yeah, week. Yeah, right, exactly. We were talking about how she was dunking at the McDonald's All American. She's going to be in game dunking. Yeah. She's going to be the Vince Carter, the, the every night on That's Sports Center. Saying. You're going to have to pay attention to whatever game exactly. she's in. So it's like. The women's game is getting there. It's progressing. It's yep. like you guys got to give it time. It's not people just think, oh, it's here, so we need to make the same revenue and they said y'all need to do the same things as men. Number one, we're not men. We don't have to do what men do. We can do what we what women do. And secondly, we've only been around, they've only been around for twenty five years. 
So give give it some time, like Candace Parker said. And Candace Parker is a goat in the game, and she's saying this. So I just think people need to kind of lo- not lower, but people need to get this mindset of if it's not like the men's, it's not as good, and that's not what it is. No, here's the thing, and stop being a casual. No basketball. Watch basketball. Appreciate basketball. No casuals over here. You know what I'm saying? Like here's the thing, and maybe if you are a casual, stop looking at it thinking that. You know, having this expectation, just watch it. If you enjoy basketball, just watch it. It's not gonna like. And the thing that is too, women basketball, as you known, you see they score their scores, their average of scores are lower than men's. I would say like a usual men's score might be like a hundred, a hundred and five, so like a hundred and ten. You know what I mean? Like that's like an average yeah. of how how high they'll go. Mm-hmm. Women is less because I mean, just to say, women in the the women's leagues, they play better defense. You know what I mean? It's more locked down. You know what I mean? It's it's harder to score. So, you know, just under- giving real effort. Right. Exactly. So just understand that what, uh, which, what, uh, what is it? What's what does it say? What glitters isn't always gold just because mm-hmm. you feel like the WNBA is in glitter. Yeah. It's just like WNBA is good basketball. It's just it's, it's a young and it's young and in the game. It has to grow. It has to get the money behind it yep. for for the national championship for the college for the women's basketball is only now getting on ESPN. That's wild. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, for it to not be on ABC. Shoot, I think it was on True TV a couple of years ago. That's what I'm saying. But what was the men's? But what was the men's game on? CBS. Right. And True TV. Right. And True TV at the same time. CBS. So front and center, two channels. So simulcast. why is that? It's just they're both college basketball. They're both the national championships. And mind you, the national championship for the women's is sold out. It was a packed house. So why is one on one on nationally, nationally, the other one is kind of, you know, second fiddle? Why is that? Because one is women and other one is men. That's all it is. Because it's basketball. It's both entertaining. And people were tweeting about this. They're like, yo, this is entertaining basketball. Even the whole tourney. Like, going, even going to Elite Eight. Even before that. It was entertaining. You can't NC tell me women. And UConn yo, was a classic. Like That was a over, second overtime thriller. That never happened before. You know what I mean? Like, don't say women's basketball is not entertaining. It's trash. I've seen men say women's basketball is trash. Like, it's just wild to me. How they people have to do to say that can't even dribble a basketball. Right. It's just insane to me how people say these things. But either way, regardless of whatever negativity is out there, women's basketball obviously is on the move, is on the verge, it's, it's on the up. And um, the game is just getting better and better. And these players are getting better. And it's just going to, I have a lot of, I'm, I feel positive and I feel encouraged about where women's basketball was going, like Dawn Staley said. I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Yeah. And Dawn is setting the standard. You know what I mean? Like, Dawn. She's taking up that C. Vivian Stringer. Yeah. You, oh, shoot, yeah. She's even taking up that Pat Summit because I'm going to be honest, and I'm just going to say this, and it might sound reverse sexist, but, like, the face of college basketball, coaching-wise, should be a woman. Yeah. And I know it is Gino in a lot of ways because of his continued success and the girls that he's taught and turning to women speak highly of him. Yeah. None of them oh, speak yeah. bad on him. You can't take nothing from him. You can't him. take nothing from him. But I'm not going to lie. When Pat Summit was in that position, when mm-hmm. you had a C. Vivian Stringer in that position, mm-hmm. when you had these women who are icons, who are legends, but also the relatability they can have to their players that as much as Gino loves his girls, he can't, you need that. And so for mm-hmm. Dawn to be that voice, and you know Philly women don't have no problem speaking up. Oh, yeah. So for her to be that voice and her to be that at that forefront, I think it's going to take college basketball to a whole another level. Yeah. And for oh, and for Dawn, and shoot, is she the first former WNBA player to be a a, 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 a college coach? No, uh, uh-uh. uh, there's been other no. ones. Uh, uh-uh. uh, there's been other ones. I'm pretty sure because I was doing research about. It. I'm trying to think of the names now. Lord, 
court. Because I'm trying to think. I'm like, there's I know a lot Cena of doesn't us. coach. Cheryl doesn't coach. Cynthia Cooper doesn't coach. Well, if you think about it too, there's a lot of current players who are on, um, like, like not WNBA, but um, like they're on, like, like a Becky Hammond. You know what I mean? Yeah. She she was obviously the assistant on the Spurs. Now she's the head coach of the Aces. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you know, I, I'm I, I'm I, not gonna. I do s- love that she's the head coach of the Aces, but I would have loved to see her get an NBA job. Oh, I know. I mean, it sucks honestly. that she couldn't get it from when she interviewed, but you know, I guess it's gonna take more time. Well, you know how they got to do. They got just like they got to interview people of color. They also mm-hmm. got to interview women candidates in, in, in basketball. So yeah, and for Dawn Staley to be the one to stop Gino's record of being sixteen and zero. Um, the national championship in national championship game, like that's that's yeah. that's major. He's Definitely. been doing it a long time. Normally, the way you get UConn is you get them in the Elite Eight or the Final Four. You ain't getting them in. If they get to the title game, it's over. Right, exactly. The fact that Dawn got that done, yeah, building monsters down there. I mean, that's also a major difference. It's like, especially in women's basketball, it's like it's normally the usual suspects at the end. It's right. normally the UConns, the Baylors. I mean, you don't really see many Cinderella championships in, the, in, in, in women's college, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about it. Like, yeah. when's the last time you see an 11 seed or a 10 seed really? Like, what was the, like, what was the last St. Peter's in, w, in March Madness? Uh, I want to say, like, Texas A&M was like an 11 seed maybe like two or three years ago yeah. that I remember. That might have been. They were, like, talking about them like they were a 15th seed. Yeah. So, like, that's yeah, the so one thing about college women's college basketball also is, too, is, like, the powerhouses friggin' stay the powerhouses. Oh, yeah. yeah. They ain't playing on against Tennessee's Tennessee. When, and once you kind of move into that echelon, you stay there. Like, Brittany Griner put Baylor on the map. They've been balling ever since. They get five-star recruits every year. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I, I do like that the consistency that exists in women's basketball. And also another part of that consistency you have to remember, and this goes into the difference between men and women and all the things that you talk about is almost all the time you're getting a four years worth of squad. Oh, yeah, you have to because they to. can't go into the league until they're 22. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a whole thing. Yeah. So that so, that makes sense of why you have Geno can win 16 titles because you have a team that yeah, every so, year back-to-back you can bank on. Oh, yeah, Geno literally got two more years of Paige. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Has to. She's a sophomore? To. Yeah, she, no, she's a, yeah, she's a sophomore this year, yeah. yeah. So she got two. And here's the thing that Is sucks. Is Caitlin Clark a senior? No, I think she's a junior. junior. Okay. Yeah. So, and it sucks too. It's like, you know, the women have this standard of you have to be 22 to be able to go into the WNBA, which is trash. I, I don't want to agree with trash. that. But here's the thing, though. Davis Parker could have came out of that high school. Hell yeah. Oh, sorry, sure. yes. Paige could have came out last year. If you think about it, though, like um, Tarasi and Bird, just to say, Tarasi and um, Sue Bird's um, broadcast, the, the long – Yeah, that was so funny. I was like, yo, they should do this like every every like every like other it's couple of games they should do it. It was so – like, <laughs> that was – like, honestly, that was like classic TV. Like, to see them, real-life besties, like, do the oh, podcast. Also, Sue, shout out Sue bringing the wife along. I mean, right. Megan, uh, like get on the, what? Get on the cast, baby. Come on. It was it was really entertaining. I really enjoyed it. I was like, this is a good idea. It's, it's very long. <laughs> she's like, the, the cock's cox. length is long. And I was like, yo. She, she's like, she's life. like, you can't help it. You can't help it. And then she just oh sipped her God. red cup. It was actually <laughs> hilarious. Yo, that was. So I was great. cracking up. Honestly, shout out to the Mannings for kind of like. Or an ESPN in and of itself for kind of building right, that, like starting that. Template. that. Yeah, and I hope that they continue to whether it's baseball, women's college. Like that's so good. It was funny. You get the right characters. That was. They hilarious. had LeBron on. Yeah, so like, oh, they brought LeBron on. Yeah, they had game? LeBron. Yeah, they had LeBron come in and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah uh-huh. oh, I remember that. That was like during like the second quarter, right? Yeah, LeBron yeah. came. Like they like you know what I mean? They had Kevin Garnett, KG's a South Carolina fan. Like they were I just love- cutting up. But see, what was I saying to you last week? Hoopers, NBA players. 
Yeah. Watch and respect the WNBA. Right. Because they know how hard it is to even dribble a basketball. Yeah. To shoot from 30 feet. To 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 get off a screen that you didn't see coming to get around to your defender. They respect what these women do. And the sad part is, like like I was saying earlier, a lot of these dudes who have these opinions that you'll see on Twitter and that you'll see in these spaces that you'll mm. see about WNBA can't even beat Right, 90% no, of the WNBA players. 100 of them. 100%. 100% of them. 100% of them. Like, it, let's keep it a buck. And it's crazy because um, when yeah. Tarasi, she was talking about their popularity and talking about Paige and the whole thing about you can't come out until you're 22, whatever. And she was saying that, yo, a lot of the love that we get, well, say like Sue gets, we get, is from like being a Husky, like that Husky college. Of, like, you're, you're, as a woman, she was saying your college career is like the highlight of like your, your popularity. Because when you get to the WNBA, WNBA it's like, class right, and that's what she was saying. She was like, in college, that's when women's basketball was like at its height. Yes. And then, yeah, because it gets, obviously, it's it's better marketed. It's more, obviously, it's college basketball has more money behind it, all that. And then once you get to WNBA, as you said, they start, you know, taking buses to away games and you know what I mean? Like that yeah, kind of thing. drive from Phoenix to right. Connecticut for this thing. Right, yo, exactly. So she was saying that it's crazy now this whole um, – the, what is that thing? The the um the thing that they can get paid now in college. The college players can NIL, get the yeah, NIL. NIL yeah, NIL. Yeah, the NIL thing. And she was like, "Yo, like, where's my back pay? Like, saying that like how much no, money real, she could have right. really produced in college. <laughs> you know what I mean? Bird and Diana would have been seriously. On every that's at what that they were time. saying. Like, balling. where was it when we was in college? Because they were saying like we would have made bring. We would have, and they said they wouldn't have stayed in college so long. But you know, but either way. The point is, it just sucks that they, there's always barriers to keep women from kind of just succeeding. But at the same time, yeah. they kind of have to stay four years and get a degree because they don't get paid in WNBA. They need a backup, which really sucks. Do. Really do. How many men would think, oh, let me stay, in, let me stay at Duke for four years because I'm probably not going to get paid enough and I'm going to need a backup? I put it to you like this. You know, Lefko, um, Adam Lefko, DUA, Shaq, and Candace, they do the Tuesday and Thursday show. She's the only one on that set, and I would include Adam Lefko in that, that probably, and I don't want to speak on her bank account, speak, but probably has to have that job. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like on a level of, like, I can't just be like, ah, I'm good. Shaq could right now quit that job. Be like, oh, yeah. I'm good. D-Way oh, yeah. could quit that job. Be like, I'm good. Oh, yeah. She's kind of like, mm, I got kids. I just got married. Right. Like, I kind of need this job. Like, no, seriously. So that's how it is when you see these WNBA players, and it's like, oh, I own real estate, or, oh, I'm actually a paralegal at the same time that I'm uh, scoring 25 a game. Like, oh, I, I play in Russia in my offseason for three months so I can make enough money to come here and live comfortably back in the States. Like, right. it's a shame. And I think, um, I think the one good thing about this college basketball game to kind of, like, give my closing statement is, this weekend was a great step forward. Oh, yeah. Like like you said, with Dawn beating Gino, women claiming their power back in their own sport. Because whether he wants to be Bill Belichick, whether he wants to be that, he's the evil empire. Right. Whether he's a bad dude, <laughs> right, he's right, the evil right, empire. Right. He's the cis white guy who coaches all women's basketball teams. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, he's the Alabama women's basketball. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Pretty so pretty yeah, pretty much. So people want him to take an L. So yeah. for him to take that L this weekend. Yes. And for it to be Dawn and for it to be Aaliyah Boston and her comeback story, her being the best player in the country and probably going to be the number one pick in 2024, like, it's, it's awesome. It is it's awesome yeah. to see. And I'm glad to see where college, women's college basketball is going. And I think the the more women's college basketball succeeds, the better it helps the WBA. Oh, yeah. I agree. I don't think there's been more talent in the league in, yeah. since its inception. Yeah. The talent is getting just get, – like, like, like Candace said, give us time. Let us progress. The women are progressing. You know what I mean? You're seeing it now. It's like they're getting better and better and better. Also, you know what I mean? Yeah. Also, I think as more time passes, 
is like the more talent comes in, you're going to have to have more teams. Yeah, the, honestly, and that's a big thing too, creating another team, more teams. You know what I mean? Because it's like, yo, these girls are coming. They can ball. There's not enough spots. What's up? Like, there could be, let's expand the markets. Let's, you know what I mean? Let's kind of build this into what it needs to be. And honestly, the numbers don't lie. The numbers that I said that the viewership of the women's basketball um, championship, numbers don't lie. Those are men's basketball numbers. So what's up? Boom, that's it. Yep. Respect women's basketball, watch it, and then talk, okay? Mm-hmm. Don't you're be not a, a real hooper. You're not a real hooper or hoop head or hoop fan if you can't tell me about a WNBA team. If you can't tell me about – and I don't watch college basketball either way, so I carry it that way with everybody. I only care about March Madness on both sides. But if you're really a hooper and you don't know nothing about WNBA, you ain't tuned into a game, even the finals or something, you don't really care about hoop. Right, exactly. That's the truth. Facts. So. So. To, uh, now that we've given the, the women's their, 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 their due because they deserved it, because that was an Facts. amazing March Madness for the ladies. The men's side. Speaking uh, of amazing yes. game, amazing March Madness. Did you watch the whole game? I watched some of it. I didn't watch all of it. Not going to lie. Not going to lie. In, in title. title game history. Which is wild. You would think someone, but like that's the thing about, I, the thing about college in general, women or men, is it's played so structured and so based on scheme and so based on people knowing where they need to be. You don't have comebacks often because unless it's really a lapse, which we'll talk about with North Carolina in the second half, unless it's really a lapse in your game plan, you're going to stick to what's got you there. Like the coaching to me, and it's funny because it's only harder to coach at the NBA level because of um, ego, because of money, because of all the things. Because, for example, there's a reason that a guy like Brad Stevens was able to come in and be a great coach because his system works. Mm -hmm. You just have to buy in. You have to have players who are going to buy in. Right. And I think the funniest thing about – when you see college guys, you might, man, why is this team so good? Because everybody buys in. There's a guy like Caleb Love who could be out here scoring 25 a game whenever he wants to. But he understands, all right, I'm going to feed Epcot or I'm going to feed Manic or I'm going to feed these other guys. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I love the fact, the one thing I love about college basketball, I wish I cared enough to watch it more, but it's just I feel like you're playing for a school that's making billions and now you're making some money. But I felt like at one point they're making billions, you're making nothing. So, um, but as far as that, that was why it's so astonishing, or not even really astonishing to me, that 16 is the largest comeback. It's almost like um, for a long time in the Super Bowl, before like the Brady comeback, the largest comeback ever overcome was like 10. Mm-hmm. Because when you get to that point, your team is so locked in, everything is so locked in, y'all been so on this journey for however long, let's say y'all get there in, in, in the fall to start classes and summer camp and training camp and all that, and then you all wait through March and you get to this point, or at Super Bowl you get to that point, you're, you're rarely gonna make those mistakes. And I think last night was just um, um, a rookie. Honestly, the, like the easiest thing to say is a rookie coach got out coached by a veteran. Mm-hmm. Yeah, truthfully, he went in the second half. He made adjustments. They tightened up. They, you know, they they were controlling the paint, controlling the boards. It seemed like every offensive rebound Kansas got to in the second half. And that was really truthfully the comeback. Obviously, uh, Remy Martin, one of my favorite basketball names of all time. <laughs> like Remy Martin. Come on, that's fire. Shout out to the name, bro. Shout out to the name. Don't do that. <laughs> Shout out to Remy Ma. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> oh lord. So um, he was he was a dog in the second half. He was striking people down on defense. He was like three for three from downtown. He hit the late uh, three to give Kansas the lead for good. Um, that no, white not- boy is like an attitude. What's Ooh, his name? Manic? No, 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 no. From Kansas. Forty four Lightfoot? Yeah. Yes. No wait, no, no, wait, no, 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 no. His last name is um Is he their center, not their center? Not the center. He's he's a guard. he's a he's a uh he's a two. He ain't a three. He's a two? White boy. 
Um, I think his number is 22 or... I know you're talking about. You know what I'm talking, talking about? about? I know you're talking he, about. He got like an attitude. Yeah, he got like he got like a lot of mouth on him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was like talking that talk. I'm like, all right. I'm not going to lie. I love when white dudes in basketball talk that talk. You could tell he got. You could tell he's like with the crew. You know what I mean? He's like he's not like from like you know he's not from Kansas. You he can ain't say that. Yeah, you're right. like he's just you get that attitude when you're around. And Luka Doncic has that. Yeah, he's from Europe, but he got that. I'll talk that. Talk to you. Oh yeah, I mean when he dunks and he goes and like he be like yeah, like he be talking smack. All right, Luka. All right. All right, I feel that. <laughs> nah, but, but one of my favorite moments like when Luka just stared down the entire Clippers starting five like after an and one. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 I remember that. That's funny. Y'all, all my children. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I mean, listen, UNC people keep talking about like how that uh how the Kansas guy might have stepped out, might have not, with his foot in the line, remember? Yeah, but y'all yeah. were down three and y'all were right. up sixteen earlier. Exactly. In the so it's like don't 50. blame little things for blowing a sixteen point lead. Um, it's kind of crazy because, you know, my family is from North Carolina and a lot and like I was when at, like after the Duke game. A lot of my family, like people from my tribe, were posting, and everybody down there is like a Tar Heels fan. Like people wasn't banging with Duke. Like everyone was like Tar Heels, Tar Heels, Tar Heels. And once they, it was just like crickets, like nothing after they lost, and people were just sick. Like, well, you know what? At least Duke didn't win. I'm like, damn. I thought it's so a Carolina team. They're like, nah, Tar Heels. That's it. I'm like, okay. And I was, I'm gonna ask somebody. I'm gonna ask somebody from down. Like, why is this so like Tar Heels and just not Duke? It's because Duke is like kind of bougie, and Tar Heels is more for the people. Like, what, what is it? I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of just a random question I thought of, but. Um, you know, Embiid obviously was excited, our very own Joe Embiid, because as Jamar talked about last week, I'm rooting for them because of Joe Embiid. Well, you feel me? Yeah, I mean, hey, they won and they deserved it to come hey, back from 16. Hey, if Nova can't win, then <laughs> right to come back from 16, like you deserve to win. Whatever adjustments were made, you know, what I mean, it, it, listen, at the end of it all, I think sometimes it just does take, like I say, it takes a perfect storm. Is that certain things have to click and come together in those big moments to kind of, you know, change the game for you. Yeah. People's shots go down. Other shots don't. You know what I mean? That can be sometimes the win or lose margin of a game. UNC came out cold in the second half. Yeah. After it felt like hitting everything in the first half. Right. You know what I mean? It, that, and that, that's the ebb and flow of a game in general, but – I think especially when you go into the halftime, you got a 16-point lead. You're feeling yourself. You've been balling on tournament. You didn't just kill the career of your greatest rival's coach and they right. go home dejected. You're feeling yourself. Right. And Bill Self probably went into the Kansas and said, listen, boys, y'all see the name on y'all jersey? We've been doing this all year. We had number one seed for a reason. Right. Go out there and show them why y'all the best Facts. team in the country. But the problem is, too, when especially when you have a lead, you can't take your foot off their neck. Like you nope. can never let up. It has to be like you're down. You're down sixteen. That's how you gotta play. You yep. can't play that you're up. You gotta play that you're down. Yep. And that's the problem. You know what I mean? That's that's a big thing I think with a lot of just in general with sports. When you're up, you got that attitude of kind of like I'm gonna just coast. It's like nah, like it's like pedal to the metal. Doc Rivers special. Right, yo, oh, facts. We were we about to get into that. So I was watching. So. <laughs> Lord, <laughs> you'll love this car. Take so this me wheel. And my, me and my boy were watching the game last night, uh-huh. and this was like early in the first half, and they did one of the little like coach talks during the timeout. And I was like, man, we were both like, Hubert Davis's entire swag gives me Doc Rivers, like his hand <laughs> yeah, movement, yeah, yeah, yeah. the baldy, like the kind of like I could grow a beard, but I don't. He even had the same like jacket that Doc wears with a UNC style. And I was like, man, this is what it would look like if Doc could really coach. And it was like two hours later. So I was like, man, he really wanted to look like Doc <laughs> Right, he tonight. really is Doc Rivers. He really was Doc Rivers. I've never seen Doc coach like this. <laughs> <laughs> never seen Boo. It's crazy. Never seen 
But to give well, credit we, to him, it was his first season coaching them and to get it to the championship. Like, that's definitely an accomplishment within itself. But, <laughs> you know, the Doc Rivers special is honestly the best way to put it. Like, you know what I mean? You you like let up. the sandwich off of, out, of, out, of a, out of a store or something. That was wild. That like, man, what? That, that man knew, came in, knew what he wanted. He was like, yo, hold that, John. Hold that, John. Let me get that, that, that. My man knew what he wanted. Oh my gosh! Well, uh, I'm okay. surprised no one was making the memes. Like I, I was disappointed in the Kansas fans and then just the internet community in general that no one saw this. And I'm like, and I'm going through Twitter during the game, and I'm like, no one's doing the Doc Rivers comparison. Like no one's saying, man, he's looking real Doc Rivers. Oh, no. no, 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 no. <coughs> you gotta wait for the NBA playoffs for the memes. Oh, Yo, there was a meme though. I seen this meme, I guess after the loss, and he was saying, I guess a press conference he did when he um got in, introduced as the coach. Oh God! Something. Remember he was saying like he's proud to be black, but he's proud that his wife is white, or something like he was saying. If he were like playing that like over the thing or something like <laughs> I'm proud to be black but I, it was just like that's wow don't yeah that, no for real I mean that's what I saw on Twitter I'm like yo his name is Hubert what'd you expect <laughs> that was rude I'm sorry Hubert Davis that's a 50, Hubert that's Davis a 50 black name I've ever heard one that man played for the Western Texas El Paso <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so congratulations to the Jayhawks congratulations to the Gamecocks you know what I'm saying really great March Madness I mean, I born and raised in Birmingham Alabama <laughs> <laughs> great March Madness uh, this year yeah. Very entertaining on both sides. And, um, you know, it's good to see this. And it's good to see them starting to get paid, you know, for their time in yeah. college. Yep. Once again, you're listening to 98.5 WJYND, running back sports show, sports for the culture. If you want to call to join the discussion, the number is 215-763-9596. Yeah. So, we talked about the college. And now, let's talk some NBA. Mm. So, there is a report that mm. Frank Vogel is more than likely going to get fired at the end of the season. Mm. And from what Let's I've take been the jacket off for this one. And from <laughs> what I've been hearing, it's it's reported that the Lakers are actually looking at Doc Rivers to potentially Listen, take him. Take him. Take him off to- my hands. It's a take my toxic ex <laughs> and uh <laughs> Jeannie Bus, you wonderful, wonderful lady. Listen, girl. Doctor, excuse me, let me put her Dr. Jeannie Bus. Let me put some respect on your name. Um, please, God, call that man. Call Doc. Chris, Chris Thomas will drive him real, over real, himself. Real, 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 I don't even got a license, but I'll, I'll drive. We'll steal a car and do Chris it. Chris will Listen. just get in the car and drive him Listen, over to the please airport. Please let that happen, because other than that, that day happens, play the throne. God's plan. No, listen. <laughs> sometimes it do be God's plan. Like, it really does. It, it's just like the world and the universe sometimes look for you. And it's funny how there's moments in time where things happen and people have to be held accountable for things, right? Yeah. If you think about it, like, yes, the Clippers did fire him, da-da-da-da. You sucked as the Clippers coach, dude. You had Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, and I you mean, got cooked in you got cooked I mean, in back-to-back playoffs. Teron Lube took that team to the Western Conference Finals. With no Kawhi and no PG for most of that playoff run. Yeah, and he did Terrence it. Terrence was your best player. He did it in one year when you couldn't do it in, like, eight or nine. So, I mean, at this point, now all I'm thinking of is, go, Doc. Go, Coach. Go, Coach LeBron. Go ahead, baby. Go I on. need, like, the world needs to see that happen. The world needs to see it happen like a mug. Like, I'm, I'm just glad. Because if that happens, I'm like, thank you. The universe is... Given the karma for the Lakers that have been tormenting my life for the past 20 years. Yep. Yes. God is good. Excellent. God. Listen, my, my, uncle's, my uncle was a preacher. I'm not as religious as I used to be, but God is good all the time. All the time, God, God is good. good. <laughs> Takes care of those who take care of but, themselves. But, but, Doc, do me a favor, though. If you, 
You can go to L.A. But Take Sam, Tobias with you. But no, uh, but keep uh, but, but keep Sam Cassell here. So I'm thinking the same thing that if he goes, you offer Sam Cassell the bag. Yes. You do. You offer Sam Cassell everything. I, mean, I think Sam's going to be a great coach. Yeah, I do too. He already has a rapport with the team. And to me, I feel like the biggest thing going forward is the development of Tyrese Maxey. And he already has that rapport with him. Now, I will ask you this. How much does the Harden dynamic play into A, getting rid of Doc, and B, who our next coach is? Because if Harden's like, oh, I mean, it's already- let's say if Embiid likes whoever the new coach, I'm just giving the example. If Embiid likes whoever their candidate is, whether it's Sam, whether it's unnamed guy we don't know about yet, right? I mean, sure, you have three potential candidates on the assistant coach already. I mean, Dave Yeager's already been a coach. Yeah. So let's just say, though, Embiid is like, I'm on board, but James is like, mm, I don't know, that's not who I want. So then you just traded for a guy who now is about to leave ship again. So then you got to restart it again in the middle of Joel's prime again. So it's not, I'm not going to say, oh, well, Joe's opinion doesn't matter. I'm going to say this. James' opinion is going to affect the decision more. Because even if Joe doesn't like the coach like he's admitted before, I'm a sixer. I'm going to do what I got to do. Yeah. But I could see James being like, oh, that's who y'all bringing in as a coach? And y'all fired Doc? I'm good. I'm out. I mean, but at that point, like, you seen Doc Rivers' comments, what he said about uh, James Harden after the, the Detroit loss? Yeah. Yeah, but the, the funny thing is, is that those comments were a lot more loud and a lot more egregious, in my honest opinion, what he said about Ben, because he directly blamed him for that loss. Well, we see uh, James Harden hasn't decided not to play basketball, so he's yeah. already, I mean, you know. th- that's the thing, though. Like, the one thing I will give James Harden is, like, no matter how bad he plays, no matter how much his body breaks down, you have never heard him make a single excuse in terms of any of his shortcomings over the whether it be in Houston, whether the fallout in terms of why didn't it work in Brooklyn. Even, he either does not answer because whatever answer he's going to give, you're going to pick apart regardless, yeah. or he just keeps pushing his game about basketball. Yeah, exactly. So, like, regardless, like, he doesn't make excuses. And, like, he's kind of like, what's the less we're going to vibe? He's like, you guys are going to talk about me either way. So, I'm like, none of, none of what you're saying is going to affect me in a sense yeah. of why should I defend myself if you're not going to defend me anyway? Exactly. <laughs> I also believe, and this is something I've been, you know, practicing in my own life, and I think uh, athletes would be good to practice this same thing, is um, love those who love you, man. Yeah. I think a lot of times as humans, our natural instinct is whether we're picking partners, whether we're picking jobs, whether we're picking anything, is we tend to extend ourselves out for the people and the things that don't extend themselves out for us. Yes. And I think in the same way as this, like, okay, he's taking this in from Doc. The reason he's here is not Doc Rivers. He's here because Daryl Morey. And that's why I say being thorough or or, or, or or just extending a line of respect to somebody, you never know how go, how far it goes because just the respect that Daryl Morey and the reverence that he had for Harden almost 10 years ago at this point, or at least 10 years ago at this point coming up in the offseason when that trade was initially made, yes, um, is the reason he's here. So I know if Doc gets fired, he won't want to leave. That won't be his biggest. My issue is, Will he want D'Antoni or Bust for him? Is it like, yo, get D'Antoni, he'll be able to get me the ball and get Joe the ball? Or will it be, you know what I mean? So I think my only issue with changing coaches right now is like, when it was Ben and Joe, you had them both under contract, and whether they, you know, eventually Ben quit on that idea and didn't want to play here anymore, they at least were both on the same page of, all right, we're going to get somebody in, blah, 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 whatever the case may be. This time, my fear is, let's just say, let's take, let's say it's Frank Vogel. And James Harden is like, heck no, we're not doing Frank Vogel. And Joe's like, well, what's wrong? I like Frank. You will we'll be better on defense. And, you know. Just for the record, you can say hell. Okay, just making sure. Uh, okay, great. <laughs> Opens up a lot of words for me. 
Heard. H-E double hockey sticks, no. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like, does that create a rift between James and, and Joe? <laughs> Just put this move. Sorry, guys. Just put Sorry, guys. I'm about to say, you got a few other things to worry about other than what you can and can't say. But it's okay. <laughs> so, on me? Huh? So, this like is a love blow to me? What's up? Wow. wow. So, like I was saying, um, no. But that would be my biggest fear of getting a new coach. Because I do think we need a new coach. But I just don't want there to be – I think Joe – maybe I'm overthinking it as a fan. Joe and Ben – I mean, Joe and James will probably be on the same um, accord. I think Carter will be fine. I don't think he'll care. I think he'll be like, all right, bet. Because you got coach? Okay. No, because to me, like, Harden initially wanted to be here. So I don't yeah. think – well, it kind of also depends on what coach. Because if Maury's going to be on the stick and Embiid's like, oh, what do you guys think about San Cassell? Cool. I don't see – but also it's like, if you go to free agency, where is Harden going to go? I think Harden oh, understands. Harden can go a lot, of, but I think Harden understands that at this point you gotta just stay somewhere and just try to make it work because you've moved around. You went to the Nets. I guess coming to find out you didn't really want to go, and now you were the Sixers. So at some point, I think he's probably tired of all this. Like I mean, it's just too much. I think he wants to just be happy, be somewhere he can win. And he knows his boys here, me, right? You know, like but Daryl Morey's here. Like regardless of that, yeah. he's with Joe Embiid, who is. The, probably the MVP this year, and he knows where you're gonna go to find that that double that one two punch with anybody else. You know what I mean? That's more so where I'm in. Like, yeah, there are plenty of other places he can go, but it's like, like in terms of where can he go in terms of one where he's gonna be a content, he can go to a contender, and two, where's it gonna be in terms of being able to control the ball? <sighs> it's a. Uh... It's gonna be a rough off season. My biggest fear now is that he did, he hasn't picked up the option. There have been no rumblings of said extension, and maybe I'm overthinking it. And the soon, the moment the season ends, Daryl they they roll out the red carpet and he signs the big. I'm not extension. I'm I'm not really worried. I think what you're concerned about is getting burned again because of Jimmy Butler. I think that's the reason why. Yeah, I'm still hurt over Jimmy Butler. 100. First of all, let's get this out the way right now. Jimmy Butler's the one that got away. And the, y'all, you've seen the Wolverine meme where he's in the bed and he's like. <laughs> rubbing a picture of something, and it's Gene Gray from the old X-Men cartoon, but the meme is you miss something you miss on a sports. I That's me and Jimmy Butler all the time. <laughs> like, you should be a sixer. Yeah. So, I guess um, I am very much jaded in that regard that when I got the guy, I was cool. I knew exactly who Jimmy was. I knew he, he could be. I knew what he got brought out of Joe. I knew the, the type of motivation he brought to the guys around the team. Ben Simmons, you had to ruin that for me. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so yes, I am scared that James would fl- be a flight risk because of Jimmy leaving. Okay, but I don't James think I don't. But here's the thing: I don't think Daryl Morley makes that move without knowing that Harden is not going to be here. Well, there's always a handshake or a verbal agreement, but there's also another conversation that can be had. Let's say we lose in the first round. I mean, it's but, totally a possibility. Yeah, it is. But at that point, it's like you could just get rid of. Okay, then Doc's gone. Then that problem's rectified. Because what, what? my thing is, is that you can get rid of Doc, and then afterwards, outside of Embiid, obviously, if Harden stays, and possibly Tyrese Maxey, probably everybody else is on the trading block and probably going to be gone. Yeah. So you're probably going to have a brand new team, probably a two new starters probably in the lineup. If that if the Tobias Harris gets traded, you probably have to throw in probably a Matisse Thybulle in order for you know to sweeten the pot to get rid of that Tobias Harris contract because you're have to take a loss because you're gonna have to take a net loss on that contract. Similar if the Lakers probably want to trade Russell Westbrook if he picks up that forty seven million dollar option. 
If you follow. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. If you pick up that option. He ain't crazy. Yeah, he crazy, but he ain't crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah let's be real. <laughs> yeah, so you're probably going to see a different starting five, a, yeah. a different coach, and probably a different bench next year. Please. Please. Love it. Great to have it here. Happy yeah. to see it because this year – the the concerns and the issues that we've been having are just have not gone away. They've just been more highlighted as games have gone on. Um, yeah, we won against, you know, the Cavs, that whole, you know, whatever, the bigger staff thing, which is dumb. Like, just be quiet. Y'all lost. It's cool. Y'all foul. Y'all kept fouling. Tell them not to foul. I don't know. I don't Like, just tell them to stop doing so to foul. Mm-hmm. What do you want us to do? You're fouling. We're going to the line. Well, I don't know. Yeah. And we could also have not made no free throws. No, honestly, like the whole Joel and B. Oh, the guy gets to the, the guy. Uh, he make, he's at the line too much. You're only mad because he's making them. If he was like Shaq or DeAndre Jordan, no one ever complained about Shaq getting too many foul calls. Yeah, because they intentionally fouled him because he was a 50 percent free throw shooter. Exactly. You're mad because Joel and B. Is an 80 percent free throw shooter and he's making them. Sorry, that is really the only gripe that you guys have. Yeah. And and like I'm gonna get to this. Like people were like upset about like his comments about the MVP. And I'm just, honestly, I kind of somewhat agree with them. There is a certain bias and a certain expectations in terms of playing to the Sixers that garners a little a little respect compared to what Jokic and Giannis is having. Yeah, yeah. Everybody wants to say, "Oh, look at the analytical numbers of what Giannis is," and look at the. Bro, I'm gonna just say this, right? You take all three of those guys off their teams, they're all probably lottery teams, right? Yeah. But let's be honest, in consequential order of helpful guys who could be good, you'd go the Bucks would be a better would still be a pretty good team, maybe like fringe playing six seat, right, at best without Giannis. Yeah. Then the Nuggets, if you're saying they'd have Murray and Michael Porter Jr. with no Jokic, that's still a pretty damn good team. Yeah, that's a six they're on the Timberwolves level. They're on the Timberwolves level. And then you'd have us with no Joel and Tobias Harris is our best player. And no James Harden, mind you, because James Harden wouldn't have come here if we don't have Joel Embiid. Which team needs their best player the most? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously. So what's an MVP to y'all then? Most valuable player. Okay. All right, cool. I just wanted to make sure. But people have different criteria of what they think of most valuable player means. What that means, there's no set criteria as to why people vote the way they do. That's true. You can't say it could be numbers. You know, he averages this a game. He's been averaging, you know, this amount over 10 games, whatever. Or you can say his value to our team, his value to the league, his position. You know, center versus guard. You know what I mean? Like that kind of MVP thing, that, that criteria. Yeah, I'll agree to that, but... The one thing is that whenever I keep saying like, "Oh, Joel Embiid has way more help than Jokic," I'm like, "Huh?" I'm like, "No, he doesn't." Who? I'm like, oh, a lot of people have been saying. Where? Yeah, it's been a, that's been on Twitter. Yeah, Are that's you been me? the biggest uh, talking point like, between like Sixer fans and Nuggets. Let, let's ask them this: Would you plug in our helping squad into your bet with your best player? Would you want them to help your best player win? No, they wouldn't. No. So okay, so then that's that's. That at all. All I'm gonna say is this: is that I would take Drew Holiday as an assist to Joel Embiid. I would take that. Like, yo, Drew, God, come back. I'd trade Drew Holiday for James Harden right See, now. Like, seriously, I would listen. I would even I'm take Bobby real. Portis as oh, a help. Oh, I would too. I would take a Bobby Portis to help Joel Embiid yep. over I'd people trade off Tobias our bench. For Bobby Portis. Yeah. Hell yeah! Oh yeah! So, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like right. you're talking about our help versus y- y'all team, how y'all constructed. Right. It's not the same. I saw the most damning stat on Twitter. It's like when people talk about Joel Embiid as has more help. The Sixers bench total in terms of points per game is dead last in the NBA post all star break. <clears throat> the Nuggets are twelfth in terms of bench production. Uh granted, 
He hasn't played with Jamal Murray all year. He has only played with Michael Porter Jr. Dude, I was at the Nuggets Sixers game. You know how they came back? Because MB was on the bench. Yes. All the minutes, the entire runs, every portion of that game that was a run, y'all, was the, what, Joe, I think Joe played 36 minutes that night. So the 12 minutes he was on the bench was every run they had, I swear to you. Yeah. and Because when he was in, we, we had to be plus 23 when he was in the game. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, and, the, and the funny thing is about the, the Bucks loss is that MB was on the bench. Giannis scored 14 straight points. Heck he yeah. Bench. He was on the bench, bench like eight minutes. Like, what are you doing? What he are was, you doing, Doc? He was on the bench like the whole beginning of the fourth quarter. Like, why is he on the bench? Like, this guy <laughs> had didn't had no help from Ben Simmons at all because Ben Simmons was literally at home waiting to get traded. And before the All-Star break, before the James Harden integration, he had him third in the East. I don't know what about this post-All-Star break had people souring down not only Joel Embiid, but also... As much as I love the Suns, but Devin Booker does not belong in the MVP conversation at this point. If you come in way too, if you're considering him two weeks before the regular season is over, you're never where a candidate to begin with. And I don't like the fact that a lot of like players kind of came out. And I'm sorry to cut you off. No, no, you're fine. you're fine. A lot of players came out and did that whole like, oh, well, the fact that Devin Booker hasn't been no, in the race all year. No, they have done that though. They have, and it's, I think that's that shapes people's perception. Like, oh, why is not Booker? Because John Morant tweeted it. Why not? Why Booker's not in it? Yeah, and, and everybody was like, oh, why? How come John? And funny thing enough, like people talked about, oh, well. Joel Embiid and James Harden are only balling against the Knicks and the Timberwolves. Meanwhile, John Moran puts a 50-burger on the play in Spurs, and they were like, why is John in the MVP conversation? Because they're 19-2 and two with John Morant not being in the lineup. 20-2. and incredible. 20-2 and two. Now, excuse me. And the funny thing is, like, people talk about, how come Devin Booker's not in the MVP conversation? Oh, he's missed, oh he hasn't missed a lot of games. But What about Luka Doncic? <laughs> you got a 50-win team out there. You ever looked at the Mavs roster? That's not a 50-win roster. No, it's not. Oh, okay, that's what I thought. Then we want to talk about MVP. People don't want to really have – you want there to be a narrative but and you e- want analytics and cute stuff to come along But even they it. got better help for Luka than we got for Joel, okay? Listen to me. I would take Finney Smith oh, – give me Finney Smith send Tobias over there. Please. Next. Bring no, him over. Re- Y'all want to throw Tim Hardaway in too? Oh, man, that's what's fine. on pick Finn for that? That's definitely yeah. fine. So, and then the whole, I think this whole conversation, the conversation, but the topic came up against like international players. People were talking about like Joel is like per, personifying this like American kind of against American people, something like something like that. And someone was like, he's from Cameroon. We talking about because Giannis is Greek, Greek, and then Nigerian Greek, and okay. then um, Jokic is from Ser- Serbia. Well, yeah. Well, let's be real, Joe. All, see, this is a thing where people have to remember how things work. Yeah. Joe came to America. When he was younger, Giannis came straight from Greece to here. Mm-hmm. Jokic came straight from Serbia to here. Yep. Remember, Joe went to high school here. What are your most formative years? High school. Joe said, and this is one of my favorite Joe quotes, is, I used to learn English through Rick Ross quotes, so I would just say random stuff from Rick Ross songs in <laughs> conversation and not have context <laughs> to him. That's incredible. I would have hung out with that guy in high school. So, and then for him to do Kansas, and then for him to come to Philly, like, he's had the – Teenage, so yes, he feels more American than Giannis does. Who Giannis just feels like the guy with like the I love New York hat and a fanny pack on, who just constantly yeah. taking pictures. Like I'm so happy to be here. Oh no, and he, that's he's, part of he's his literally endearing. Eddie Murphy and coming to yeah, America. Yeah, he's literally Eddie Murphy and coming to America. He, that's his endearing part. He is Prince Akeem in real life. And then Jokic is just like this like Serbian guy that I feel like would work in like a deli in New York somewhere, like a big guy who just butchers meat all day and he like doesn't really talk to people. Yeah, yeah. But, but he's just a basketball player. No, the funny thing is is that like. 
Jokic really is that guy that was like in Serbia was like, you know what? Just focus on basketball. Don't focus on anything else. Don't be out here in the streets. It was like somebody was like, they was like, Jokic's brothers looked like they was in the streets, but they kept him out of the streets to keep the family dream alive. Right, 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 He's right. like, hey, you guys going out? No, 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 no. You, you stay home. You, you stay home, Nicola. No, no, you Nicola. stay home, Nicola. No, no, no Nicola. <laughs> you stay home. Nicola, you stay home. Okay, I don't know their accent. I don't know their accent. I don't know their accent. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm not okay, trying to be offensive. Okay, this is slightly offensive. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't. I, <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know. I, I apologize because I don't. Uh, listen, I'm so sorry. I apologize because I do not know a Serbian accent. I apologize because I would be offended if people try to like talk I'm about sorry, my like, people. My, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Most of my European knowledge in terms of accents is literally on GTA Five. Sorry about that. I know. Seriously, I I apologize because I, I don't want no one trying to appropriate my culture. So I'm sorry. I just kind of did like what I thought maybe like a big European white guy might sound like, but I really don't know wholeheartedly. But listen, either way, yo, Jokic is a baller, man. Yeah. So good job to his family. Keep him out the streets. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Shout out to when you keep your little brother out the streets so he can make the family millions of dollars, and y'all don't got to be in the streets no more. Yeah. Like, you know what? Season oh tickets God. for y'all. I just yeah, think people, <laughs> people people just have a negative connotation towards Philly and people have a nasty taste in their mouth about Philly and yeah. I think people just perpetuate that on Joel. Yeah. Come yeah. on, they still talk about us throwing snowballs at Santa. Which has not happened not since when? I'm about to say, it's not even about the Sixers at this point. It's about just the regular. All Philly. And now with this, I'm sorry, I hate to say it, just to say, just to throw it out there. This whole Oscars crap, you know what I mean? Like all this, it just perpetuates this Philly thing. This Philly narrative. I'm just saying. Yeah. It does. Yeah. No, you're right about Not that. to give an opinion on just to say it's just it is what it is. It perpetuates a narrative. That's it. Yeah. Because nobody was, you know, trying to defend Ben Simmons when he was here, but magically he goes to Brooklyn. Yeah, I was like, Ben is a treasure. Home. Oh my everybody God. Gets, him my on the nets. Like, wow. All this Ben love out of nowhere. All this Ben literally you can watch clips of I on Twitter. Someone said the clip of Stephen A. Smith saying or whoever saying Ben Simmons is the biggest liability in the 76ers. And then you cut to the next clip, the same person. Ben Simmons is going to. If Ben Simmons yeah. comes back. Oh, okay. Like what? Right. But why is the difference? Why is it a, neg- a, po- a negative thing for the Sixers? And once he goes somewhere else, he's like God's gift. Why is, well, why is that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, because our structure sucks. He doesn't work next to Joe. And also he doesn't have two of the greatest perimeter scorers of all time surrounding him here in Philly. That's why he fits in Brooklyn. We talked about this. I know, no, no. I know. I'm saying why no, the is the narrative. Yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. Like, why like, When is it comes the... to Philly, like, they slander the athletes. They feel like they're not good enough. Like, all the slander about, like, Carson Wentz. Granted, we've had our shit. We've had our share in the hat, too, in terms of how we've, you know, conducted ourselves in the criticism of Carson Wentz. But as soon as he went to Indiana, they put the man on the pedestal, thinking, like, oh, this guy's going to have a bounce back season, this, that, and the third. It's just Philadelphia athletes in general. Yeah. It sucks, yeah. especially for Joel. But I, so here's my question to y'all: Do you guys think that Joel will end up with the award, regardless of whatever happens these last couple games? No, no. You don't think he's gonna get it? I think they're gonna either give it to Jokic because of the narrative now is like, man, he ain't played his all season with his best guys. Joe got James Harden, and look at what they're the fifth seed in the West. Look at what they're doing, da da da. Or they're gonna give it to Giannis because they're like, man, Giannis probably should have been MVP the last like year and a half, two years. So we're gonna make up for that and give him his third. Yeah. Which would be nuts that he'd be a three-time MVP already. Okay. Here's the thing. I got to go like on a little tangent about Giannis. Okay. Remember a few weeks ago when Warren called in and you said that – and you kind of chuckled at the fact that Giannis is, is not better than Durant? Yes. Okay. I will – I will be – Matt Murdock, I will be on the defense attorney for Giannis. Okay. Here's the thing. Giannis is the best player in the world. 
It's not Kevin Durant. It's not LeBron James. It's not Luka Doncic. You can you can argue that the last two years that the best player on the world is probably either been Joel Embiid or Giannis Antetokounmpo. Are we talking if everyone in the league is healthy? Yes. Like everyone in the league is on the table in this conversation. Yes. yes. Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the NBA. Now y'all want to have that conversation? Because who was the last person to clamp Giannis in the playoffs? Huh? Oh, okay. That's crazy. Okay. But who, who destroyed the Warriors, injuries or not? Oh, okay. Who gave up that 3-1 lead against the Jamal Murray and the Nuggets? Did you check his numbers in that series? You still have 3-1, my No, guy. did you check his numbers in that series? Oh, so that's what we're doing? <laughs> I mean, that is what we're doing. <laughs> okay. Woo! Did okay. you check? I'm just saying, before you make that statement, go look up. Go look up his stats in the bubble against the Maps. Go look up his stats in that game six and that game seven against the Nuggets. What do you have? I mean, here's the thing. Can I just say this? Well, can I just say this? Throw it out there. Kawhi versus Giannis, right? Can we yes. just talk about foundations of how they became the player they became? They they came, became Kawhi's startup versus Giannis startup. Who had more of a pull this up, pull themselves up by the bootstraps? I mean, let's do that. Who? Um, Kawhi literally, the Spurs wanted Kawhi to be the focal point of their offense two years before they allowed him to do it. Kawhi came from a Spurs foundation organization. That's already a lot of people do. No, Steven but Steven Jackson did and wasted his whole career. But that's, I love Steven Jackson. Stat. Steven Jackson got his own thing going. You know that's not. You can't compare that. Why can't I? That see, this is what we're not about to do. You Kawhi can't Leonard was the that. fifth. Kawhi Leonard was drafted after Giannis well, was. No, I'm, I'm saying as a positive. I'm just saying Kawhi Leonard came from. He 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 got the foundation laid upon him and was in the shadows and was learning and was grinding under greats and then came up. Giannis came from an organization where he was he's been it. There was nobody on the Bucks really before him. You know what mm. I mean? Like in recent Literally time. he's the Bucks leading scorer and the guy he passed hasn't played for the Bucks. That's what I'm saying. That's, and literally that's, our combined lifespan. That's the point that I'm making. That's <laughs> the point much. that yeah. I'm making. So but my point is and I'm saying is okay, I would even give you that Kawhi argument if this was four years ago. Once he went to Toronto and took a Toronto team who couldn't even get out of the East and won a chip with them what can you say about that, man? I mean, that was a great Who's year. Who's clamped LeBron in the finals before? That was a great Besides year. Besides J.J. Barea. It's like, no, that was for me. Boris Diaw. Check the numbers. Lance, I hear you. Lance Stevenson. Oh, my God. <laughs> Already. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm he he blew in that man's ear. That right. would have thrown anybody off. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just okay, saying. Okay, but you brought up the fact that, okay, you know, like, look up Kawhi Leonard stats. Okay, it wasn't just Kawhi on the Raptors. They also had length. They also had they also had identity. I'm not saying they didn't have a great team. Has, I'm just saying they also had Marcus Saul. They Lowry. also had Sergi Baca. They also had Pascal Siakam. Giannis the, has Lowry. Day, Chris Kyle Lowry. The Toronto has. wall wasn't just Kawhi Leonard. It was. So why didn't Giannis beat that team to get to the finals? Because Giannis wasn't the player that he is now. He was the league MVP. What year was this? Was this 2018? 2019. His first year as league MVP. Okay, is Giannis the player that he is right now? Yes, he was. No, no, not then, you, not then. Listen, Come on, he couldn't you, shoot a me free and throw. You literally are the biggest components when it comes to eye tests. You're trying to tell me that the Giannis that went for 44 and 14 in Brooklyn is the same Giannis that you want to know the, the only difference. You want to know the truthful only difference. What is he it? would not be denied? That is it. You talking about his game? No, it's not any different. The huh? only difference is he would not be denied. That's yes. literally growth. Listen, the past four years. Oh, I already was there. Listen, the best player in the world right now is Giannis because That's the crazy. guy literally should be a four-time MVP right now. The guy is literally about to win his third defensive player of the year in the last four years. We're literally about to watch this guy potentially go to the finals again and win another ring. 
I'm sorry, but it's like everybody keeps holding on to this claim like, oh, Kevin Durant's the best player in the world. What claim does he have? The claim that we have when it comes to Kevin Durant being the best player in the world is what he did on the Warriors. Mm. Which was four, which was three years ago. He hasn't oh, done wow. nothing in terms of noteworthy in Brooklyn. He literally missed the first year. Doing today. I mean, I mean, he has a point. I'm just saying. But listen, here's the thing. Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. He Chris, literally Chris missed his passionate. first year in Brooklyn, and everybody talks about, oh, well, if his foot wasn't on the line. That's literally the biggest claim in terms of Kevin Durant being the best player in the world. Durant, listen, Giannis. By the way, this is the guy that just scored 55 the other day. Still took it out. Oh yeah, that's cute, and he's in the play-in. Y'all really watch? All right. Listen. I'm not even going to do this. We really we watch Giannis not only have some of the biggest defensive players of the moment. So you're telling me fully healthy and you need one player in a playoff season. Right now, Giannis, Giannis, yes. Yes. Then this conversation is over. Isn't that enough thing to be said? Give me Kawhi or give me Kevin Durant over Giannis. Sorry. I'll live on that. I'll die on that hill. All right, that's fine. I'll take Giannis. Okay, we'll see when Kawhi's healthy next year. I hope I hope everybody keep that same energy. It's funny how when people don't play or when people injure, I'm not, the listen, energy I, be so different. The I'm just be so different no. It's not the even board. the fact that he's not even available being healthy. It's literally what I'm watching right now. There has no, been no player over the past two years that has been better than Giannis. All around. All around the guy. The biggest thing is all that, around. The biggest thing is now, that mind you, I love Giannis. So this, biggest, I hope this isn't ping over a place where y'all think I don't love me. Some I Giannis think the no, two biggest components in Giannis's game that was really lacking is one, the free throw shooting, and two, the confidence in terms of shooting the shooting the basketball. Giannis is still shooting thirty percent from three, but he has the confidence enough when the game is on the line, the guts of the game. You normally see Chris Middleton, you know, do an isolation, take that shot. Giannis is doing that right now. So you're saying that he just got to a point in his prime. He's still 26 years old, man. So, but he's a three-time MVP and a, and, a, and, a, and a finals champion. So, at the end of the day, whether you want to try to give him the excuse that he's just getting to his prime, that's not what the league has said, and that's not what his accomplishments say, right? So, if I get to judge, if we get to talk about him being one of the 25 best players ever or being on the 75, then he gets judged on the same mother truck and scale that Kawhi does and that KD does, right? Okay, so on that same scale, are we not talking about two people who are both multiple champions? Are we not talking about two people who are both multiple finals MVPs? Kawhi only doesn't have league MVPs because they robbed him the one year and gave it to Westbrook. He should have got it because the Spurs team was way better than that OKC team. In case y'all forgot, that was a 66-win team okay, where LaMarcus Aldridge was the second best player. But we're also talking about Russell Westbrook breaking a record that was withstanding yeah, for the last Yeah, but years. he's still the weakest MVP of the last 20 years. Let's call it spade to speed. And you can compare it to anybody you want to. Check the numbers. He's on a 6-seed team. Stop it. So like I said, if we really talk about accomplishments and what people do, your boy was like, oh, Kevin Durant hasn't been Mr. Oh, he hasn't been on a thousand all defensive teams. I get that. That's fine. But when Kevin Durant needs the clamp, he can. 98.5 WJYN, running back sports. That's right. I'm back. The tribal chief has returned. <laughs> oh, my God. Lord. What's going on, Dad? <laughs> What's up? What's up? What's up? That's Mr. Norris to you on the air, son. Heard. What's, what's going how's on? everybody doing? How's everybody doing today? Oh, nothing. We're just having a heated discussion about um, who's the best player in the world. And I said it was Giannis, and Jamal said fully healthy is Kawhi Leonard. I didn't know Kawhi Leonard was still like you know playing the league and everything. And, you know, I, last time I saw him, he was on the back of the cart and all. Y'all you know, <laughs> just disrespecting this man like he not the claw. <laughs> what's wrong with funny. y'all? Why everybody got hey. all this short term memory loss? Okay. I didn't say that. Check Kawhi. Hey, look. Look up right now. What's hey, Kawhi look. Leonard's playoff average right now? Look it up. Just look it up. 
I guarantee you it's like 27, 6, and 6. You know who's in that class in the playoffs? Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. Yeah, he should have stayed his butt in Toronto with anything and ran it back. Now, I agree. Now now we talking sense. He never should have left to go to the Clippers. But I respect him. Well, no, he wanted, he, wanted to go back, he wanted to go back to South L.A. Okay? Look. He wanted to go home. Not, hey, look. Not knocking Kawhi and anything. Cause, look, because, like, you know, three, four years ago and anything, everybody was scared of him and anything. But, you know, him, the Clippers, and, you know, Paul George and anything. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. And, um... More than a little JoJo and anything. JoJo is is going to be like a whiny crybaby about the MVP. He should be worried about the playoffs. You know him going there saying, "Oh, everybody stepped against Philadelphia. Oh, I deserve this, but nobody loves me." So JoJo, come on, man. You got more important things to worry about than the MVP. Because the Sixers flame out like everybody expecting to and anything. You're going to have a lot to deal with on your hands. Am I right or am I wrong? Right. Yeah, but I mean, I, I get where he's coming from. He definitely does deserve it. But I think he is kind of just putting it, making it into, speaking it into fruition. He should just be quiet about it because the more you talk about it, it's like the more people are going to kind of be turned off by you because you keep, you know what I mean? Like you're talking about it. Just stop talking about it. Yeah, don't talk about it. You know, don't sing it, bring it. Yeah, exactly. Okay? It's that simple. Quote Scott Hall, rest in peace, the bad guy. Hey, so, yo. Yeah. And speaking of which, and before we go back to sports, what y'all guys think about the last WrestleMania? Pretty darn good show. Cody Rhodes is all I got to say. He's back home. The match was, the match was kind of lackluster than anything, but the presentation was, you know, phenomenal. Okay, and I got I got to say the best match out of, out, out of all the matches than anything was definitely Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch. All right, those two try to kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> he really was about to leave. <laughs> Cody versus Seth was a crazy. You might want to rewatch it. That was a four and three quarter star match, easily. Okay, it was a good match and anything, but I still got to give it to the ladies. Oh no, Bianca and Becky stole the weekend. Yeah. They they tore the house down. One hundred. No, screw that. Pat McAfee tore the house down. Shout out to Pat McAfee. Goat McAfee is. Shout out to call. Pat McAfee, but it, it it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love seeing him perform. You know those moves he was doing, the way he was flipping, flying around the ring, bouncing around. That was fantastic. It just took away from the way, you know, Mr. McMahon had to get involved in it. Because that took away from the match. And that just irked me to know, irked me in my soul. And all for Austin to come out and stun McMahon in the worst stunner of all time. I will say there's a poetic justice about the first stunner he ever gave Vince was terrible. And then the last stunner he ever gave Vince was terrible. That's psych. That's the cycle of life. And, well, Lizard Man to stay in the WWE senior citizen center and anything to lead the heavy stuff to the young folks, okay? Yeah. But uh, I will. I, I'll pose this question: Who sold the stunner the best? Austin Theory, Pat McAfee, or Kevin Owens this weekend? Mm. Eh, maybe Pat McAfee. Yeah. <laughs> all time, but all time, The Rock, without question. Absolutely, don't follow me. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No. So, what do you guys think about the uh, NCAA championship game the way Kansas came back on North Carolina the way they did? Oh. Oh, no, I oh, yeah, but yeah. oh, you do probably, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so um, yeah, I I enjoy both games. Um, uh, once again, shout out to Dawn Staley for uh, you know taking down the evil empire that is UConn. And uh, yo, Kansas, the way they came back in the first, because I was watching that game in the first half, and yeah, so like the fact that there was guy was down fifteen, I'm like, yeah, I'm turning this off. But then when I Got an ESPN update saying, like, oh, yeah, Kansas is coming back, making the biggest comeback in NCAA's history. I, I went and turned on to that game, and 
I'm just like, they really pulled it off. I really, like, yeah. You know, like, the, the foot being out of bounds, I'm, like, looking at it, I'm like, is it really out of bounds? I'm like, it's kind of ticky-tacky, but, you know, yeah, you it was kind of iffy. Because you got to admit, everybody wanted it to be a storybook ending for Coach K's career. Yeah. And Lord knows, over the years, I've grown to hate Duke and Coach K. <laughs> yeah. Why, though? <laughs> because... Don't get me wrong. In the eighties, in the eighties and early nineties and everything, you know Duke. You know Duke was a team. You know that battled with UNLV. You know they were a team and everything. I just get sick of type. I just get sick and tired of all the hype. You know the magic mm-hmm. of Duke and everything. You know tobacco, blah blah blah. blah. You know it, it, it's it's for me. It's kind of like overkill. Like back in the old days when Roman Reigns got shoved down our throats whether he wanted to or not. Before mm-hmm. he came into his own, just being his own man, there, saying the guy you love to hate. Yeah. Okay, the same way you know. Everybody talks about, oh, the Knicks, you know, is playing Madison Square Garden. The Knicks have sucked on ice for the longest time. Okay. Same thing with the Lakers. Oh, everyone wants to go to L.A. to play with play in the, 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 the gold and the purple, the world purple, whatever. It, 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 I, 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 put, I put Duke in that same category. Seriously. You know, I have respect I have respect for Coach K. I'm just sick and tired of seeing him all the time. And he's retired. Okay, fine. It was a great career. Hey. You're in the Hall of Fame, College Hall of Fame, Best Hall of Fame. Okay, fine. Let's move to the next chapter. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, do you think, and, uh, Mr. Norris, do you think that guy, um, Ponchero, is going to the league? He's going to be a top top ten? Well, it's watered down as the college game is a good but area. He probably, somebody probably is going to take a flyer on him. Okay. So, somebody like the Sacramento Kings, you know. <laughs> And we know how well they draft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. Tyrese Halliburton is nice. Yeah. And I gotta admit, whenever, whenever I feel, whenever I feel bad about, whenever I feel bad about how the six, you know, suffering through, you know, Black Saturday, Black Wednesday in '86, and all the years of trust the process tanking and everything, there was a video on YouTube that showed how the Kings have had 16 years of futility and ineptitude, whether it was bad trades, bad, bad, bad free agent signings, bad coaching decisions. And I said, you know what? The Sixers ain't that bad. Yeah, compared to them. I mean, they've had a horrible, just like from their GMs to their head coaches, they've had like a really bad run. Even when they had um, Weber and Bibby and yeah. all them, they dropped the ball on that too. You know, and the guys they missed out on, you know, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, you know, Luca, you know, drafting guys like Jimmy Fredette and, Carl, you know, Willie Cauley-Stein. So, yeah, I feel a little bit better about the Sixers. And I got to say, James Harden was kind of old to me now. What do you think? Or you think it's his hamstring? Uh, I don't know. Maybe he's still really, still kind of not not a hundred percent. Maybe that's what it is, and he's just kind of not trying to say anything about it and just play. I, I can't tell. I don't know. I'm kind of confused as to what's happening with him. I think the hamstring is Doc Rivers, and <laughs> I think that he was perfectly fine initially when he got here. Uh, then, as soon as he learned Doc Rivers' system, then the problems like began to surface. <laughs> Oh, yeah, from now on, we're talking about the Sixers coach. He is not Doc Rivers. He is Glenn Rivers. Glenn. He lost the Doc title. Heard Glenn. <laughs> yeah. Glenn. Okay. And I don't see the Sixers. And the way the, the way the, the Sixers are constructed right now and the way they're playing right now, and I may be wrong. I hope, I hope I'm wrong. I don't see them getting past the second round. Yeah. Because, really, if they're playing in Toronto and everything, Toronto's one of those pesky teams and everything. The six fall asleep on there and they'll get knocked right out of the playoffs in the first round. What do you think? 
Oh, yeah, no. Toronto's, yeah, Toronto's a terrible matchup for the Sixers in the first round because Toronto has length. They're athletic. Everything that the Sixers are not. And that's going to be – you're going to have to ask Joel Embiid, James Harden, and Tyrese Maxey to all average well over 80 points a game combined and play flawless basketball in order to compensate for the bad bench and the bad coaching. Mm. That's sad that we're still talking about the same things every season. It's really sad. It's sad. It's like, wow, bad coaching, bad bench. Wow. We just added James Harden in it. Okay. The bench is the bench is a hot dumpster fire sailing down the Schuylkill River. I've been said that, but people said on Twitter, it doesn't matter. Harden is just going to be so dynamic, and it just won't matter. Like they only pay five minutes a game, five eight minutes a game. Blah. Okay. Okay. Harden can do it all. He can play all forty-eight minutes, <laughs> defense, which he don't play that well. He tries, and uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, people said we don't. It don't matter about the bench. People have said that, like it don't matter about the bench. I was like, okay, that's right. a lie. Okay. And looking looking back on it, I guess we should have uh, swapped out. Uh, we should we should altered the trade, sent Seibel to Brooklyn and kept Seth Curry because Seibel can't hit an open jump shot to save his life. Yeah, but Seibel did win that game against Cleveland. Okay, and, and the sun shines on the dogs. You know whether he wants in a while, but that's. Clock, uh, wrong clock is right two times a day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And really, honestly, who do you – I mean, and, oh, yeah. And what do you think about uh, Howie's uh, recent trade? Well, I don't, the one thing I will give Howie Roseman credit for, as much as I do get on his case, justifiably so, every single time the topic of the Philadelphia Eagles come up, he has enough foresight in order in, to do these trades and execute them perfectly. In 2016, when he took over after Chip Kelly left, he had the foresight enough to move a lot of these bad contracts, move from 13 all the way to second to go get Carson Wentz. Say what you want about Carson Wentz, we don't win that 2017 Super Bowl without him. He also had enough foresight to, even after stupidly giving him $128 million and then just shipping him off next year, he had enough foresight to make that condition of that second rounder turning into a first rounder. And, you know, he also had enough foresight to trade back last year in the first round, which ended up us potentially us getting three first-round picks. So it's how he covering his bases. He still has two first-rounders. He got an extra third, so we had two third-round picks. So it's still enough in terms of draft capital to, re- to help build up this team to give Jalen Hurts a legitimate chance. If that's not the case, then – you have the draft capital next year to go get yourself a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud or Spencer Rattler or any other quarterback. So it's just Howie covering his bases, which is one of the one of the few traits that Howie Roseman does know how to do. Well, he better not screw his draft up. <laughs> he better not select some like all all uh, all SEC punter from um, Kentucky or whatever. What he better not screw his draft up. Yeah. But yeah, but our punter was terrible. Fair, our punter was terrible last year. <laughs> touche, touche, touche. <laughs> Make a valid point. Make a valid point. <laughs> so, with that being said, that's the go. As always, it was a pleasure talking to y'all. Um, stay right. safe out. Stay safe out there. And now you, back, now you can trust your dad, Chris. Don't but don't 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 broadcast Mr. Narcy, okay? Got it. Heard. Mr. Norris. All right. Take it easy.
right, don't forget my feelings next time. All right. Once again, you're listening to 98.5 WJYN, the running back sports show, Sports for the Culture. If you want to call to join the discussion, the number is 215-763-9596. And just to boomerang back to the conversation, Kawhi Leonard's career playoff numbers, 21, 8 rebounds, 7.9, I'm going to give him 8. Two assists, 51% shooting from the field, 30, nearly 40% from three, 84% from the free throw line. Giannis averages 26 points, 11 and a half rebounds, five assists in 64 playoff games in his career. Running back sports. Hello? Hello? Yeah, hey, Jordan, what's going on? Hey, what's up, guys? What's going on? Hey, Jordan. Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, Tommy? Uh, well, first of all, I want to say I want to say uh, shout out to Coach uh, Daly from South Carolina. Yep. Yo, she, you know, she well deserves. I ain't gonna lie. She, she what they got over there is like a little dynasty. What they got over there, so it's like shout out to Leah, all those girls, man. They were they they well it was well deserved. And shout out to UConn too. Like, I just felt like at that particular game, UConn. There were certain players where they were thinking too much, mm-hmm. and so when you think too, when you're thinking about a play while the clock is running, that could be a little iffy. Mm-hmm. But I can't take nothing wrong from UConn. Can't take nothing wrong from South Carolina. Shout out to both teams. But you know, shout out to Coach Daly, and shout out to uh, uh, Kansas. That was a wild game uh, last night. I, was, I ain't gonna lie. That was one for the ages to come back from 15. That was that's, that's Huge accomplishment. Well done. I can't. I, I can't even front for that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, and uh, oh, also shout out. Uh, WrestleMania wasn't too bad itself. For me, it's like I like the Reigns versus Reigns versus Brock. I thought that was the. I didn't think that. I thought for some reason I thought that there was going to have some interference because for me, a great match has to have no interference for me. Nice body of work. And to me, it, it you know without the referee situation. Pretty, pretty much was a solid match for me. I think Reigns deserves his props, and mm-hmm. uh, Seth Rollins and Edge was pretty good too. I ain't going front, but um, it definitely lived up to the hype. But uh, going to your sixes, you know, you, hello, yeah, yeah. Sure. hey, going to your sixes, to your sixes. I I can't. It's hard to. I'm not gonna. I can't ignore. I can't ignore what Chris, what your father said about the second round exit. Uh, particularly, but that's to me. It's like when you're hearing all these stories about potentially, allegedly that you know Doc Rivers might be in a hot seat or he might not, you know, be there next season. I wouldn't really rule that out, in my opinion, because he, the, the man just really doesn't have, doesn't really make any, any adjustments. To be honest with you, it's right. just it's like it's it's the same thing over and yeah. over. We saw this with the Clippers where he doesn't like. He'll throw guys coming off the bench for an extended amount of time, and he doesn't, like, make no adjustments, no changes. Now, in, in, to, to his defense, there's some coaches that still do that, like the Steve Kerr's of the world and, and the Phil Jackson's of the world, where sometimes, you know, they don't bail you out. They don't call a timeout. When they, when they see another team going on a hot, going on a run, whatchamacallit, they don't call no timeout or anything. But to them... It was more so of who cannot trust in the clutch time and who cannot trust in during the regular season. Uh, from a statistical standpoint, like okay, I okay, I can't really trust you to be on that particular matchup, but uh, and things of that nature. 
But for Doc Rivers, it's, it's like it's this consistent thing where he makes no adjustments, no adjustments whatsoever. There's no reason for Giannis the other night to be going on the run and you don't make no adjustments. You got Millsap on him and you do not make any adjustments. That's inexcusable. Yeah, no, I agree. Because um, at some point, you got to have a pulse in the situation when, especially when you're going against teams. If you're going up against, you know, a, a team that isn't athletic, but it excels in the half court in terms of like driving and pick and roll. Sure, you could play DeAndre Jordan that could protect the rim, and you can get away with that. But if you're going up against athletic teams, and if you're going up against like Giannis, where it's going to take like an on hands on deck situation, you can't run a front court of George Yang and DeAndre Jordan and hope to stop him. That's when you got to have like a Paul Reed or a Charles Bassey, somebody athletic, fresh legs, <laughs> the ability to actually jump, and not just like six feet off, not just six inches off the ground. You got to have a pulse in the situation in terms of what your um, who your opponent is and what you're what you're playing as, and that's the issue when it comes to the Sixers is that there isn't a pulse in the situation. And honestly, I'll kind of tie it back to you. It's like that's why I kind of feel like when I'm watching Brooklyn, the reason why um, you know you can get away with most of the stuff that you guys are getting away with because you had Durant and Kyrie Irving, but. In terms of what I'm watching from an adjustment standpoint, it's like I love Steve Nash as a player in terms of what he's done for the Phoenix Suns, you know, in terms of why I, might, why I became a Suns fan to begin with. But the man cannot coach. The man cannot make adjustments. He doesn't have his pulse on the situation. And that's even with guys like a veteran presence like Mike D'Antoni on the bench, bench worm. Well, I could kind of agree with you but I think the thing that threw, that threw their season off was the Kyrie situation. And it's like I, I feel like they did remember Brooklyn, they were I think they were like the top ten top ten in defense. Mm-hmm. Now now it's kinda of stagnant. Now their defense is shot. Yeah. But early in the season they were like six on defense. And I think that they came in with a plan. It's just that the Kyrie situation ruled completely dis- destroyed any type of plans or schemes particularly coming within the season because he's an integral part, a big part to what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So this is what I was talking about with being a leader and, and culture and things of that nature where when it comes to sacrifice where sacrifice is everything. And if you're not if you can't suffer and but the thing about it is sacrifice is a choice. And he chose not to he chose not to be vaccinated. So that just threw everything off to where Steve Nash was just doing different lineups. And it just wasn't as consistent throughout the year due to uh, Kyrie, and then and then the and then yeah. the KD situation was what happened. But I think the integral part was the Kyrie going out, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree with that. So I mean, yeah, but then Jordan. So what do you think about people who are like, yeah, Kyrie, he won, man. Kyrie won it all. He, he's the winner on all this. I just feel like people need to sh- just shut up about it. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't win. No one won. It's just the, the vaccine got lifted. He technically. He did win, but it's it's not really a win, though, because look at your team. Like, it's just it's not – it's just selfish. Yeah. You're, you're a playing team right now. It's just basketball. What he's saying is, is, though, is that a lot of people chose not to be vaccinated. And now that we're getting to the end of this um, pandemic or supposed end towards the pandemic – it's shown that you can survive a without the vaccination. And this is not a pro or anti-vaccination thing. This is just saying that no. 
a lot of places tried to mandate and force people into things because they felt like it was a quick solution instead of what we should have followed suit to. And I'm sorry, I'm about to go on this real quick rant. We should have followed suit to countries like Italy or countries like China or countries like New Zealand who actually shut their countries down and provided their people a way to have to stay in the house so that they could let it go away so that they've been thriving for over a year now. Look yeah, at I agree. any of those countries. I agree with that. So what happened is we pushed out a vaccine that a lot of people didn't trust because there is mistrust between our government and I, whether that's based on color lines, whether that's based on class lines, whether that's based on society lines. It exists. So then there's people who get to sit up on their high horse, whether you're liberal, whether you're Republican, whether you're conservative or whatever, and say, oh, I got the vaccine. Why won't you? Well, maybe I don't trust the government as much as you do. No, I oh, agree. but you eat these things and you do these things. Yeah, so? So do you. We all live in a world where we have our levels of distrust. Who are you to tell people what they can and can't trust? I agree, but I think with this whole thing, with this situation, it just sucks. Sorry, Jordan. It just sucks because they required people who were on the front lines doing these jobs that are necessary mandatory jobs that you have to have in society they had to get vaccinated they had to do what they had to do but Kyrie Irving who plays basketball like you said doesn't isn't held to the same standard he's still allowed to have his way that's but not fair that's what he was saying the point that he was making is it was even he was talking about first responders because there were some first responders and nurses who didn't want to take the vaccine and but they got, still and wanted they, to help people and they couldn't have their jobs so how is that fair? And also, Kyrie couldn't do half of his job. Let's be real. His job is just a he well more high He should have been job. suspended from the team the whole season. If I that agree. Was, and guess what? what you know what I respect him on? He would have ate that. That's fine. He could have ate that. I think he should have been. I should think he should have been suspended the whole season for not getting vaccinated because it's not fair. If other people, first responders, people who are out there on the front lines, really dealing with this virus. I mean, with this virus, can't work or get fired or whatever then he should not be able to have, get any money or do anything. He plays basketball. And also, he never said he was anti-vax or he never advised people not to get the vaccine. I'm just saying. He just said making mandates where people had to to be I able to do what they need to do isn't the right move. And I agree with that because let's be honest. In 1919, when we had Spanish influenza, do you think people of color were first in line to get vaccines? You I think agree. they care? I didn't really, I wasn't a fan of the vaccine myself. I'm just saying that just yeah. fair is fair. I mean, Kyrie is talking was, I mean, Kyrie wasn't wrong, but also at the same time is like, a mandate was specifically put on because of Kyrie. If Kyrie was just a regular Joe Schmo, none of that 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 mandate wouldn't have gotten you know permitted for him. So no, they didn't. They lifted in New York because their numbers are now. People are just associating it with Kyrie because once again we're a celebrity obsessed sports culture. Is what he was trying to say in his entire point of view. I think that has. I think it does have something to do with baseball, with the Yankees. Oh, they're not, yeah, yeah, they, oh, they not messing up that Yankees money. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. So it, it is. It is. There. It is. Yeah. So they're not gonna. Yeah. Sorry, Jordan. Didn't mean to go off on a rant about New York and that whole thing. But it's just you know. That part just bothers me a little bit. But, hey, look, you know, it is what it is. The Nets are now in play-in, and that's what it is. So that's it. Thanks a lot, Kyrie. Yeah. Yeah, I can act as if the Nets is my team. I mean, I watch them, but they're not my team. Jordan, who's your team again? Huh? Who's your team again? Mavs and Golden State. Okay, okay, bad, 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 Mavs, the Mavericks. Oh, okay, say Golden no more. Yeah, I mean, you already know. I just want to let you. I just want to let you know how much of a crumb you are. I'll, okay, no, I'll, I'll explain this after the Jordan. Jordan, what do you think about well, the Warriors, Jordan? What do you think about the Warriors right now? They're good, but it's just the concerns me is the lack of center depth. Like mm. they don't really have a true big man presence in the interior. Kevon Looney like, is an NBA champion, sir. He is. He has. Yeah, he is, he is. He is a champion. He has experience. I don't. I don't. I'm not. Nobody's debating that. But what I'm saying is that, of course, say that to a guy like Da. 
So that's a guy like Jokic who could just take advantage of the mismatch. Easily. I trust him. I trust he's gonna. I trust he's gonna do what he does in the interior. But what I'm saying is that mismatches matters, and once mm-hmm. and play on once playoff basketball starts, half court set, every possession matters. Mm-hmm. And guys like Da, guys like Jokic, guys like Ad, they will hunt for that mismatch, bro. They're gonna hunt for that mismatch. I trust him. I trust Draymond. I don't trust Bilita too much but in the interior, but he does everything else well, and he fits the system. But it's just that I, the, the thing that worries me is just the center depth. But everything else is – but as far as everything else, they got shooting. Uh, Steph has been ready to – is ready to come back. And they have everything else. It's just the center depth is a little bit concerns me. But other than that, I think everybody should be okay. Yeah. I mean, eighties probably not going to be enough – Doing nothing but hunting for a fishing boat, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's the that's the bond. The thing about you know what I love about this season is because it teaches you that great basketball players are great basketball players, but sometimes being a great great basketball player, you don't really make a great GM. No, you don't I mean, come, you don't go in there and make all the you don't like you don't just go make all these demands of players that you want because sometimes it might not end up. You it might not be it might not end up working just nope. like the Lakers. You could have and and Magic Johnson exposed that that it, that he deserves blame for that. Basically, you, like bringing Westbrook in, like ha, like you got to be a little bit. When you first heard about it, you had to be a little bit specific. You had to be a little bit not specific. You had to be a little bit uh, a bit worried or a bit concerned about how those three was going to interact together uh the chemistry wise how they was going to work as a team together mm-hmm. and it's like i get, and i guess because westbrook is westbrook and because he is a star that's not, we, there's no doubt about it but because brooklyn had that big three and zabon is saying hmm how can i match that firepower with firepower but not with just firepower with star power and of course he's gonna, and of course he's gonna take Westbrook because of that star power of what he brings to the table. But I just think I didn't think LeBron thought about it from a basketball perspective because he needs the ball. He needs the ball. He's not he's not used to being second. He's not used to deferring to anybody. Westbrook is Westbrook. This is the reason why. And I don't want to, I don't want to say like I know anything, but it's like this is part of the reason why he, he probably would never admit it is why KD probably departed from OKC. You're up three two on the Warriors, and then you like it seemed like they they became selfish in a way of who wants credit. I'm talking about the series in 2016 with the Warriors and the and OKC. Mm-hmm. You're up not three two. You're up three one, and it's like how you how do you blew that? And and they were and, and to be honest with you, if you remember that year, OKC was probably the better team than the Warriors, even though they won 73 games. They were a good team, but. It goes to show you that great players, great ball players, don't really make great GMs. Oh, and one, hello? Yeah, you said My bad. And one other thing before I leave, um, the Will Smith situation of what happened two weeks ago. I thought it was a skit, honestly. I didn't think it was real. I thought it was yeah. something for, uh, for, the, for, the t- for TV and for I did too, viewership. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you're hearing all the statistics about the Academy Awards has, hasn't had the uh, a great viewership for the past couple of years. 
So I thought it was like a skit. Yeah. Until I saw the emotion, I saw Lupita's face. Hi, yo, so Lupita's face. She was, was like, like, oh, oh shit. Yeah. Right. It looked real. It looked like this. I forgive him. We should not be gossiping. We should not be talking about these these people's lives. They bleed just like everybody else. I forgive him. If I could forgive him, the world can forgive him. But I will say this. You've got to let... You guys... It's a running back sports show. Yes. You guys are chronicling, are chronicling who's better, who's not, why, or why not. So when it comes to Chris, to Chris Rock and, he, and him saying what he said, I don't see him more, any more different than what you guys are doing as far as critiquing. I don't see him any different better, any different than a, a rapper freestyling. Mm-hmm. It's just open mind, open thoughts. And it's mm-hmm. like, it, anything that comes, it's like pick a rabbit out of the hat type of situation. And he just, and it, it just, he just said what he said about Jada. I don't think it was a malicious thought. I don't think he woke up with any malicious intent of saying what he said about Jada. But, but to me, it's just like, it's sad because it feels like the art form of comedy is dying. But at the same time, it's like, you got to let God, you got to let these, you got to let comedians be comedians. We live in, in a very emo-ish, kind of soft kind of generation, but yeah. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I'll agree to that. But one thing that Cat Williams said that just like in any other aspect of life, like when you grow up, the opinions that you've had, like when you're 12 years old, is completely different when you're 22 or 32. Just like comedy, comedy evolves. So if you feel like you can't evolve your comedy to the times of what you're at now, then maybe you shouldn't be a comedian. Okay, I got yeah, oh, Hold yeah, on real quick, Jordan. I, I got to speak on this one. Um, I think that's BS because comedy, just like music, is timeless. George Carlin's still funny. Richard Pryor's still funny. You know who he wouldn't be funny to? George Carlin or Richard Pryor. They wouldn't be funny to someone who is a under 30 millennial Gen Zer who thinks that anytime someone speaks on something that they deem is not okay to speak on, that they want to get in their feelings about it. Now, I'm not one of these old school, super old school, like, oh, any raucous form of comedy is wild. Bernie Mac was wildly inappropriate. Uh, Rich Pryor was wildly inappropriate. Martin was wildly inappropriate back in his days. A lot of people that were wildly inappropriate. But here's the thing, right? Did you watch those comedy specials as a kid? Not really, right? Because they weren't for you. Your, your parents watched them. and You might have seen them when they were on. They weren't for you. They were TVMA or they were rated R. The problem that we're getting to in our society is we want to expunge society of things that exist i'm going to use a really weird example but like porn right there was at one point like a whole fight or an argument on porn and the excess kids have to porn as a parent now i'm the only parent in this room i know what my child watches and what she doesn't or what she has access to and doesn't that's on me why would i be mad at the world for presenting that when i can present what i choose to present to my child and i think comedy is the same way if you don't want your child watching dave sabelle because he can't or they can't understand the nuance that goes into his comedy when he's talking or making these jokes with his whether it's related to trans people whether it's related to black and white comedy because he's always had controversial comedy it's just in the day and age he's now talking about a topic that people feel like is taboo but let's be real who are you worried about being affected by this because if you're an adult right and you already have your formulated opinion on something it doesn't matter what someone says 
We all lived through Donald Trump as a president. It didn't make us come out the other side as racist or whatever. Some people did. Some people were waking up. But guess what? They were already as adults like that. He just spoke to them. You didn't wake up one day, come and be like, man, I'm a whole adult. And Donald Trump's entire way of thinking or thought is, is now embedded in me. And that's how I think. And it's the same thing. You can watch a comedy special tomorrow and be like, either that was funny or not. But it's not going to make you be like, man, I guess I hate trans people now. Or I guess I hate this. You know what I'm saying? The only person you're worried about it formulating or, form or being formative to is what? Children. Your children shouldn't be watching that anyway. There's a reason there's children's comedies. There's a reason there's no such thing as a child stand-up. Because most stand-ups is based on having adult issues or talking about adult things. Why do you think when you go to comedy shows, there's never anyone young in the crowd? The youngest is 21. Most of the venues, you have to be 21 to get in. Comedy nightclubs. You have to be in a nightclub, you have to be 21. Because there's adult content that you need to be able to siphon through, whether you like that comedian or not. Same thing with music. There is Nazi skinhead music out there, dude. That someone buys because it's a genre of music. You don't have to listen to that. But would I play that for Logan? No. You get what I'm saying? So my issue is, is are we trying to censor comedy or are we trying to be lazy and just put it off the board and not have to do our jobs as parents and, 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 and as a village and as influencers to say, hey, this isn't for you yet. It's just like alcohol. So we should just ban all alcohol because people get drunk and fight. People get drunk and drive and kill people, right? But we haven't, right? You just say, hey, you're not old enough to do that. Because when we feel like someone's 21, we feel like they're old enough to now handle what alcohol does to our bodies, physically and mentally. So I think comedy should be viewed in that same way. Just like certain music should be viewed in that same way. Certain films should be viewed in that same way. There's no change in comedy. There's just a change in the way that we think that people are supposed to consume things. It's just like we're talking now younger and younger and younger about sexuality and gender in schools. I'm going to be honest and I'm just going to say something. A kid doesn't get any of that. So for people who on the other side want to say stuff like, oh, we push heterosexuality on children. Sorry, majority of our country is heterosexual. So, yes, that is going to be a natural pushing thing. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm, think, I'm saying that whatever truth you live in, living around your child. But don't sit here and try to force an opposite truth or even force or reinforce the same truth harder because you're afraid of the opposite truth just to get your point across. Because then you're using that child as a pawn. So that's how I feel about comedy. My parents never hid comedy from me. Certain stuff I wasn't allowed to watch. Certain stuff either. I was. I didn't grow up thinking now, oh, I hate this thing or I hate that or I'm saying these wild, disrespectful jokes in school or whatever the case may be. No, because that's not how true influence works. True influence is who you're raised by, who you're around. There's nature versus nurture. If you're going to be a jerk, you're going to be a jerk. If you might be have jerk tendencies, but you got a jerk for a father, they're going to breed that more. You know what I mean? So I'm sorry for that long rant, but I just hate that that's the environment we are, where it's just like, oh, we, we got to watch what we say, or we got to watch, or you could just not consume it. Tyler, the creator, once said one of my favorite things. He said, I don't get how any internet bullying works. Just turn your computer off. You don't want to see I something, agree. you don't want to engage in something, just don't then. But that's I agree. Talk. Thank y'all for coming. I agree. No, but. I think essentially we're saying the same thing. Like, I think I just said it differently, but I just, I'm just saying that they should just be, let let the comedian be the comedian and what you said about the censorship we can control what we can control i, I agree with you 100 yeah everybody deserves that whether you agree with what somebody's saying even if it's horrible racist rhetoric or whatever the case may be right the truth of the matter is we can't scream in this country that we're supposed to be holding up ideals that were under false pretenses in and of itself because they were written by men who then went back to slave owning but that's neither here nor there right if we're gonna we're gonna stick to these crappy ideals, the first one of them. Does anyone know the first, the first, the first amendment? Anyone know? Freedom of speech. Okay then. So what are we talking about here? <laughs> Choose what you want to listen to. 
There's freedom of speech just like there's freedom of hearing. You can choose what you want to listen to. I don't listen to 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 to, to uh, conservative Republican radio on NPR. I don't even listen to Democratic radio. I don't care about politics. But my point being is, if something offended me, I wouldn't turn it off. I wouldn't go. This shouldn't be on. I would just be like, this is not the channel for me. Preach, preach. That's it. I think people are afraid that that's afraid to do that. Now everything is this. Oh, I'm a social justice warrior. Or oh, this should be this and this should be that. And, uh, uh, like. We'd be here for another hour. I'm sorry, y'all. Okay. Um, Jordan. Talk to Yeah. <laughs> Jordan, um, once again, man, thanks. We appreciate the call. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. Right, Have bro. a good one, bro. Thank Go Mavs. Thank you. <laughs> All right. No fuck. Good looking. All right. Yes, Jordan. Always getting us, our, our minds going. Jordan's always posing good questions. That's true, though. I mean, that's a good point. If you don't like something or you don't agree with it, don't watch it. But I guess people's argument is that it's just so prevalent in every part of society. Like it's it's an advertisement. It's on TV. It's on it's on you know. Yeah, but yeah, the thing is nowadays is that regardless of what you want to consume or don't want to consume, it's almost impossible to like not hear about it. What's I'm saying? I was not watching the awards at all, and I heard about the slap. Well, yeah, it's, 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 it's just so prevalent within our culture, within society, these certain things. That's why people feel like it should be some kind of, you know, uh, what is that? Um, I'm losing my train of thought. But yeah. you know what I'm trying to say? I've, you know, people are saying there should be restrictions on this and that because it's just too available. It's just too out there. There's no hiding from it. Like, like you said. And here's the thing. I didn't watch. Um, did you guys watch the Grammys? No. 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 Shout out to Baby Keem, though. Shout out to Jasmine Sullivan, Jasmine yeah, Sullivan Philly, right. Philly's own, who won Best R&B Album of the Year. Shout out to her, Philly mm-hmm. girl. Philly's just doing it this year. Yeah. Don Staley Didn't just Quest won. Didn't Questlove win the Grammy also again? Huh? Didn't Questlove win one also? Yeah, Quest, yeah, Questlove won one. He won an Oscar. Yeah. He won a Grammy. Jasmine Sullivan. He's so Philly up. is just on the up and up right now, mm-hmm. which is great. Great to see. Shout out to Philly. Um, but, yeah, it's just – it's. It's 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 a hard thing, but I do agree that if you don't like something, don't watch it. But here's the thing. But then it's just that line of say like you know like hate speech or like you know hate um, materials, things like that. Like you know like Nazi stuff or anti-Semitic, whatever. It's like yeah, it's freedom of speech, but it's like where does where does that have a place in society? Okay, and the thing like, is about when it comes to hate speech, and I feel like we're turning into a whole political. <laughs> Better. But no, no we're, the we're just talking about the culture. Yes, but the thing is, is that oh, it's people are just like oh, it's just words. But no, there are some actions, and there are you know follow up with those words. Like I particularly remember one instance in which the night of the 2016 election, like Trump won. I rem- I got an update email from this campus that a Muslim girl was assaulted and her had oh, hijab. Wow. Was literally taken. So my thing about like, oh, it's just words. Like I feel like no, it's BS. Words can be weaponized. Like oh yeah, but you know what? As as from children, we're taught sticks and stones that break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And that's I think that is the most. That yeah, it's just kind of yeah, it's yeah. it's definitely very irresponsible. It's garbage. It's irresponsible. I think just as a parent, as an as an adult, looking over children and saying these things and perpetuating that because it's not true. Words do hurt. And they can hurt, and words will last longer sometimes than a physical hurt and pain you might feel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you, just imagine, listen, as kids, as anything, um, think about 
something that someone said to you to make fun of you in school. I bet you remember what that person said today. Oh, 100%. Just think about something <laughs> maybe your your parent, your grandma, 100%. your grandpa or something said to you that they didn't, maybe they didn't mean it as bad, but they were angry and they yep. said something to you. Mm -hmm. yep. You don't forget that, right? So <laughs> oh, it's like, so these words that don't hurt me, words and, and, and you perpetuating that to, within yourself, that lasts a lifetime at times. You know what I mean? Yeah. For real. So these words that people say don't matter, they 100% matter. And that's why, again, with the censorship thing, with, you know, stopping certain things and being shown on, you know, national seat, whatever. I understand it to an extent because what we see and what we hear can really sink in, sink into us. But yeah. again, to me, there are know. some things that are just better left unsaid. Like everybody should have a platform because there are certain audience for certain people. I agree with that. But uh, there's some should be a point like. We literally, the reason why January 6th happened is because people took the words of the guy that they viewed as their leader and the guy that shouldn't lost the election to begin with. They used that to attack a bunch of people that were had nothing to do with that. Like, somebody, like, multiple people died, were assaulted. Like, imagine you working at that Capitol, just at your job, and you have to battle a bunch of crazy per people because of words, what you're saying. So, I understand that people should have a platform in terms of words should be said, but no, words can be weaponized and words can be used to hurt you. Yep. Yeah. No, I agree. I now that isn't to dismiss like where I'm not seeing where you're coming from. I hundred percent do. No, 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 no. I was just gonna address it in a totally different way, like not even my initial point, but to piggyback off what you were saying about January sixth. Um the problem is is I've been seeing, funny enough, a lot of people, whether it's black people, whether it's white, whatever, being like, man, maybe we should have kept Trump in office. And I'm just laughing because I'm like, that's what you're getting out of this? You're not getting that, man, this two-party system is terrible. And both these dudes were bad presidents. <laughs> and now we're just in a place where all of the things that have rolled downhill from the last three to four presidents, Obama was a bad president too, um, is now starting to come home and roost, and it's all Joe Biden's fault. Now... I think Joe Biden is one nap away from Alzheimer's, and I think he's an incompetent uh, product of the system of uh, of politicians in general, right? But let's not act like everything that's going on is his problem. Our issues with Russia are from Donald Trump. <laughs> so now what is he supposed to do, pretend to try to smooth it over after Donald Trump was pretty like, listen, you could pull up if you want to for the last four years. And now he pulled up in Ukraine, which is an ally of the U.S., which is why our, our gas prices are now so high. They have a lot of different imports and exports that we share with them. So now we're forced to, in, to make it in layman's terms, our boys getting our behind kicked, and we got to run over there into a fight that we're not necessarily prepared for. So I say that to say that when we get into, when we get into a situation where, and we all do it. So when I say this, I don't want to come off as a hypocrite. I just want to point out how we are and how we can lock in and out so easily and why. To me, The Matrix is still one of the best narratives of a film that mirrors reality to me ever. Is because you can become plugged in and out of The Matrix so fast. Whether it's your phone, whether it's social media. Every one of us has checked our phones here for the last two hours. Every one of us. Right? How often do you go through a true day? And I'm, I'm, I mean, besides like heartbreak of losing a family member or just a rough day or whatever. How do you go days without? Do you ever go a day without checking your phone? Nope. No. Do you ever go a day without checking social media? No. You see my point? We're all plugged in. The first thing that happened we were talking about with that Chris Rock stuff, right? Is like, um, the like that was the. 
oh, we got to talk about the media on the show. We all did it. It was funny. It was, it was, but it was also something where it was like, wow, what, how is, how do we feel as a society about that and all of these different things? But the problem is, is that how many times have we talked about this possible war with Ukraine on this show? And we supposed to be about the culture, right? How have we have we talked about the refugees being denied entry uh, as black refugees in Ukraine? Have we ever talked about that once on the show? Nope. nope. But we chose to talk about another black man smacking another black man on national television. You see what I'm saying? Like, we all do it. I'm only just pointing it out to say how hard it is to truly unplug yourself for an extended enough time to see what the world really is. I think in terms of that, I think, I mean, not to say this is why we did or didn't do it, but I think with that issue, it's just something more tangible. It's something that people understand more than, say, the war with Ukraine, with Russia. That's kind of like, that's like, you know, it's kind of a lot. To, it's like a big, it's like a mouthful. It's like all this different parts and components but of it. But that's the problem. No, I know, but I'm just saying that's probably why people will go more to try to talk, want to talk more about what happened at the Oscars versus what ha- was going on in Ukraine. Easier because, to digest. Yeah, like the Oscars, like, all right, somebody slapped somebody, and, you know, this happens all the time. You know what I mean? It's funny. It's something that, you know, that's something that people can tangibly, like, okay, I understand that. Baby. Yeah. Like Ukraine and Russia and all these politics and how it's trickled down from Trump and Obama and whatever. That's the whole kind of thing people not, they don't want to, it's all about quick media, quick topics. You know what I mean? The quick, quick bait. You know what I mean? Instant gratification quick, yeah. is the American so way. People aren't trying to dig deep into what's really going on with these issues of Russia and Ukraine and figure out where, where truly do we stand in that, um, you know, dispute, whatever. Yeah. So I it's think the that's same just thing what like it is. financial literacy to me, where we all scream how broke we are, how impoverished we are, and yeah. how we don't circulate the black dollar and we don't know how to do it. But no one goes out of their way to really truly learn. And those that do and try to pass knowledge on get dismissed. Yeah. Oh, you preaching. Oh, you woke. Or you a hotep. Or you this. Or you that. Yeah. We dismiss yeah. people who try to give us true information because yeah, they true think. true knowledge. Because they think everything comes with a thing behind it. That's why, like, with my nonprofit that I started, I don't want to make any money. I don't want to because the moment I make money for myself, the f- everything, I will become a, a Sean King, a, 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 a guy who's. For all accounts, I can't speak on what he's done or what he hasn't done. But all I can say is all that when I see this brother, he's preaching positive things. He wants to give people positive knowledge. But, of course, the Internet can't let you just be that. So what happens is, oh, he's stealing from this organization. Oh, this organization never got this money. This never happened. Now, I'm not arguing whether these things are true or not. But it goes back mm-hmm. to in, in a very different way of what I was talking about, the Deshaun Watson thing. Where, like, when you have these situations like this where people get these high-profile cases of saying that multiple people are saying something about this person, it always only seems to happen that way in large-scale situations. Like if someone, I'll give you a perfect example. If someone is a, for the most part, um, gets caught in a one-time situation of assault or whatever the case may be, right? For the most part, if they're a civilian, that one time happens and they're done. They're going to jail, whatever the case may be, or they're yeah. being persecuted if that person takes their ex into the law and the law actually follows through, Right. Only among celebrities does it get to case 13, case 15, case 21, case 22. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, shoot, this has been going on for a while. And I think the same thing happens in different ways with the assault. Now, with assault, it's a very different thing because at the end of the day, that is something that if you did do, that's past just morally bankrupt. You should be in jail for life. Wait, so what are we just what are we talking about? I'm talking about. So do you know who Sean King is? To give the example. Uh, I heard the name before. So he's an uh, uh, an activist who. Um, kind of rose to prominence around the time of the initial Mike Brown killing um, as someone who could get in touch with oh, grassroots lawyers. Guy, right? Yes, grassroots yeah, lawyers yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Now, over the last semi-years, he's been someone that's been an outspoken vocal figure in the black community and all of these different things, right? Yeah. The moment that he reached what I would like to call the zenith of his popularity, of his influence, of his power, of course, out of nowhere, 
He's now stealing money from people. He's not actually black. Uh, all of these things. He's going through stuff with his wife. All of these things, from from all intents and purposes, what I see is a positive black. We can do it with everybody throughout history. Martin Luther King. Oh, well, he was cheating on Coretta. I'm not saying that's right. What does that take away from what he's saying is right, though? Malcolm X is this. Oh, Malcolm X is that. Why is it that whenever leaders or whatever people who speak out against certain things or when people who stand for certain things Because that's the way our society is set up. That's just how it is. They want us to all be on the same accord, look at the same things, view things the same way, approach things the same way. Just as like when you try to take a break on social media and you say you don't open up your Instagram all day. Mm-hmm. I won't open up my Facebook all day or my Instagram or my Twitter. I will have notifications about what this random person just shared. I want just clickbait for me to click just to see, oh, well, what are they doing? Even if I never talked to them, never see yeah. them, nothing. But it's like, even when you try to leave it alone, things come up that draw you in to make you want to click it just because you're bored because your hands are idle. Yeah. It's just, that's why with this, like I said, with this whole Chris Rock, Chris Will Smith thing versus what's going on in Ukraine, it's just, you know, it's just easier. Like whoever is the powers that be, it's better for us to be focused on the Will Smith, Chris Rock thing and keep it at a basic level versus what's really behind this whole um, battle thing that's going on in Europe. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just it's just what the powers that be wanted to want want us to be doing. Yeah, I get it. But at some point, it's like those topics of conversation is like it gets tiresome because then we if we go from the Will Smith drama, then now. Once again, the whole resurface is about Russell Wilson being corny and like how to hack the right. The, how is he with Sierra? Is like, that a thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. talking about that. People are People honestly are out of their minds. Yes. They're out of their minds. First of all, I've always said he's the goat. He did the opposite of what people like to say. He took a girl regard- from a rapper. That's fire. Regardless, <laughs> we don't know their true relationship and why does anyone care. But either way, regardless, this man is seeming like he's a good, decent man, regardless of whatever money he has. Why does that bother people? Why yeah. is that corny? Yeah. Why is that corny? I don't get it. For any for anybody. You know whose son was out there with him catching footballs when he was pregnant like, with Jerry Judy? A, yo. Future son. Yo, talking about. Yeah, dad, I got you. Talking about his Air Force, his black Air Forces. Yeah. Why right. is he wearing black Air Forces, everyone else? Because he's a little kid. He probably wanted to wear those. Like, what do you mean? Oh, they were talking about when they when that yeah. video came out of him no, working no, no. out with Jerry no, Judy. No, 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 no. They were talking about the picture that they posted um, when Russell went to the Broncos. They had like a family portrait or, or maybe before that. It was, you know, Russ, Sierra, the two little babies, and then future son. Mm-hmm. And. In the picture, everyone has on like nice dress shoes to go with the dress outfits, and future little future is wearing black Air Forces. And people were talking about why is he wearing black Air Forces versus everybody else, and it's like because he's a kid and he probably wanted to wear that. Okay, I get the meme of it. People out there in the meme verse, that's funny, but I get be it because the whole the it. whole thing about the black Air Forces is funny, that's but it's I'm... just like people were trying to make it something it's not. Like, oh, like is it different because he's future's son and Russell's? Like, it's not. He's a kid. He's a kid. Russell probably. And you know Russell, what Russell's probably teaching him? You don't need all those brands and stuff to make you cool. Listen, he's Russell him, loves that kid like his own. You can tell. You Come can, on now. Stop. Look at their relationship. First of all, he calls him dad. Let's start right there. Yeah. Let's Stop. start right there. Stop. Second of all, this is where I say when people say stuff like fathers don't matter or being a parent doesn't matter or being a father doesn't matter or how your influences is. Russell Wilson credits his father with everything. And you can see in the way he carries his fatherhood how much that matters to him. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who can relate to that, my dad is my hero. 
for hooker or crook. That's my. And there's that's nothing the corny about Russell Russell Wilson. It's yes, just, it is. I'm corny. Russell no, Wilson's corny. I don't think he's corny personally. I don't find him corny. I think he's just this nice guy. I just need to know, like, he has sense. What exactly is the definition of corny? Do you want to get someone into who's it? Not a, someone I mean, who doesn't appear. We only got appear, about like a minute or so. Left. Someone who doesn't appear to be, you know, like hip and kind of no, has added, like, you know, like call a, it what it is. Someone who doesn't exhibit toxic masculinity to a level that's attractive. I was going to say thug. I didn't no. want to say that. Yeah, let's so let's use the pol- the politically correct term: toxic masculinity to a level that women find attractive. If you don't have that, you're corny. Whether that you being a little more softer, whether that you being more a little emotional, whether you're not wearing the certain things girls think you should wear, all those things. Trust me, as someone who's dealt with being viewed as the opposite of being viewed the way Russell Wilson is, Russell Wilson is one of my guys. Every time, like every time I see him, see us, and you made her wait for it. That's a goat. Oh, sorry, I just had to throw that in there before the last Wow. <laughs> Were you, listen, listen, guys. Culture, culture, culture manifests life. Listen, guys. Life manifests life. Raise more Russell Wilsons and not enough and not more futures. Take yeah. that for what y'all want. And again, Future's doing a persona himself. Yeah, Nikki like, said it in the interview. Future talks about all these things he's not even doing. So who knows who a future really is? But he has this persona that people love, the toxic masculinity, like yeah. you said. Almost say toxic. Yeah. We need more Russells, we need more Dwayne Wades and Shout out Dwayne. When you talking about goat fathers, yeah. shout out Dwayne Wade. Yeah, because like, yeah. you know I mean, and that's sh- and even even that? after the slap, like the way Will Smith raised his kids, we need more three of those guys. We need more of those guys in, like in our community. Yes. Period. Point blank. Yep. Right. And that's a good way to close the show. Once again, Chris Thomas, Shigaro Karn, Jamal Thomas. You've been listening to the Running Best Sports Show, Sports for the Culture, every Tuesday from four to six. Until next time, we will see you next week. Later.